Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, it is Valentine's Day uh, and yet we're all here at uh, <laughs> gone half past 11 recording uh, for all of you lucky listeners. Um, today we are joined as usual by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Good evening, Joe. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Andy Stafford, the Lenovo and Samsung man himself. Hello, Andy. How are we doing? Uh, good evening. Not bad. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Not too bad. Be happy to see the end of this week. <laughs> and we are joined, uh, as ever, by Mr. Gareth Dutton. Hello, Greth. How are we? All right, Joe. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Um, keep the hashtag going. Hashtag who is Gareth Dutton. Obviously, the usual hashtag who is Maureen from Attercliffe. Um, no, as rumours go, we are not going to turn into Maureen's fancy Zamboni, but uh, <laughs> no, keep the MFZ going on that one. Um, so, a lot going on over the last week or so. Um, today, actually, the Giants and the Flames were confirmed as the last as the two teams in the Challenge Cup final. Uh, that's Challenge Cup, not Continental Cup, as previous mistakes may not suggest. Um, so, yeah, the Giants and the Flames are going to face off against each other in the Challenge Cup final down in Cardiff. Uh, the Devils fought back from a 3-0 deficit on Sunday, only to lose the game 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, that was against Guildford. And then... Glasgow took on uh, Dundee and took third place with a 5-1 win. So a lot of changes in the league. Um, the, the, the playoff push really getting a lot closer. Gents, what 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 are our highlights for the week just gone? Uh, there's a fair few highlights for me. Um, starting Cardiff, a bit of a high-scoring game uh, against the Blaze, where Cardiff uh, pulled it off 6-5, uh, back and forth uh, all night. Um, Sounds like a good uh, game of hockey, never mind a good win for the Devils. Um, also, I see uh, Milton Keynes get a victory against Dundee on the Saturday. They've had a, a, a bit of a torrid time, so, you know, even though it was gone the shootout, they've still got to win, so, you know, good to see them. Um, and from a selfish perspective, it was good to see the Steelers pick up four points in a uh, in their push to make uh, the final eight, um, beating the, the Panthers and the Blaze. Um, you've already mentioned the uh, the Devils nearly pulling off the great escape in Guildford. Um, but I will say one thing on that one. Two absolutely wonderful penalty shots by Akrid. If anybody hasn't seen that, get on YouTube and look at them because they are pieces of art. Never mind sh- penalty shots. Yeah, my home would have been what you already mentioned as well. The, the Cardiff-Guildford game where Cardiff scored three goals within two minutes, 27 seconds left in the third period. All without Ben Bounds in it as well. That's incredible. I mean, as you mentioned with Cali Eckard's penalties, they were just beautiful. I, if if anyone's not seen that, please go and YouTube them. They are just pure filth. Uh, mine is the um, clan. Uh, Silent Light. I won it. I won it in in our song against Dundee. Uh, it's just a really good game between two really good Scotch teams. Uh, you know, it's coming from behind to tie it and then win it in overtime. It's just really good for the clan. Um, and they're on a bit of a roll recently, done really well. So it's good, really good for them. Yeah, it's been a big weekend for some uh, some topsy turvy games or some uh, some some seesaw games. Obviously, going backward and forward. Um, 
Obviously, if you, you know most people have picked their allegiances by now. They'll know whether they want Cardiff or, or Belfast to win the league. I'd, I'd hazard a guess that 90% of the league would want Belfast to do it, just because you don't want to see another team do a three-peat. Uh, and, you know, Sunday, out of all the days, was just one of those days that really, really tested you. Um, you know, you had the Belfast Giants obviously losing out 3-2 in overtime to the Panthers. Big weekend for them, to be fair. Three games in three. The last game, obviously, they only took the point. So, yeah, I think they'll take five points from six, um, losing in the Panthers' barn, as I say, on the Sunday. But, you know, that that overtime loss was came before we knew the result in Cardiff. Um, and, yeah, sorry, in Guildford even. Uh, and, yeah, that game really, really was a... Um, really was a game to keep you on the edge of the seat. We were at the Steelers game at the time, and I had said, oh, it's all right, Belfast have lost, but it's okay. Cardiff are down 1-0. Cardiff are down 2-0. Cardiff are down 3-0. And then all of a sudden, you blink, and all with Ben Bounds pulled, we're at 3-3 and into overtime. It was just like, you know, if anybody would have put money down at that point, I guarantee you it would have been put down on Cardiff. You get all that momentum from coming down from a three-goal deficit. So fantastic for Guildford to come back in that game, not only to obviously keep the uh, the, the, the title in further contention, but also just, a, you know, a great result to come back from losing that momentum at the end of the game. Um, really looked like they'd choked out in the last minute or so. So to come back and, and bring that back was great. Uh, the other one for me, it really, really has to be mentioned, um, is, is Guildford making it through to the Challenge Cup final. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic to see Guildford as a team making it through to the final two. I don't think there would have been a lot of people that would have, you know, would have predicted that. It's, it's great to see. And to be fair, for me, I could see Guildford doing it. You, you look at the, the quarterfinals, and how they line up, and you could you went to online as well. You could pick your four semi-finalists. Sheffield and Cardiff was expected to make it. Out they went. So from there, you had a competition that was, you know, flipped on its head. Um, Glasgow and Guildford did a great job, and I'm, I'm happy uh, that Guildford are in the final. Um, not because of beating the Panthers. It's purely not that. Basically, having a team that's a new team to the Elite League, second year, to make the final, it's just good for that sort of new team vibe. Um, and hopefully they, they take a, a number of fans from Surrey over to, to Cardiff um, and really make it a spectacle. Because, um, you know, the league will... They'll not say it, but they'll be a little bit worried that it's none of the bigger teams or the bigger fan bases are going down to fill Ice Arena Wales. You haven't got Cardiff, you haven't got Sheffield, you haven't got Nottingham. Belfast will take about six, 700 fans. So there's over 2,000 seats to sell. And hopefully, you know, I mean, there'll be some kind of fans that go, but hopefully the Guild fans will go over. They've got a fair few fans that make a bit of noise and make it a spectacle. Um, my abiding memory of, of the Hearts from last year's was the atmosphere. The Cardiff fans and the, the Belfast fans, hopefully they're the same again. But I'm with you, Joe. I wouldn't be surprised if Guildford pick up that victory. Um, won't be an easy task, but a one-off game in, in a neutral barn, um, something you don't get to say often in uh, elite league competitions. Um I think it'd be good to watch. I think it, yeah, it's going to be a, be a really good game to watch. Uh, it won't be a, a far trip for the Guildford fans to travel, being further down south, so it's not that far for them to travel. Looking at the few tweets from Belfast fans, they're unable to get flights until like the Friday. Instead of going down on the Sunday because some flights are not going until like 4 p.m. But oh well for them, it's unfortunate. It's how it happens. 
But, you know, I, I'm with you guys as well on this. I think Guildford could win it easy enough because coming up, as it's in March as well, it's going to be the longer run to hopefully winning the league for Belfast or still fighting for playoff spots as well. It's completely anyone's game. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Guildford win it, you know, as, as they said. It's a, it's a second year in the Elite League and, you know, even since their first year, they've, they've done really well. The job that, that Paul Dixon's done in recruiting the players he has, uh, you know, he's got a full confidence of the players, the fans, the management. He's done a fantastic job and I think he could definitely pull this off a win for Guildford. I mean, they deserve to be there, you know. You know, they they really they work really hard to get where they are today, and um, it's really nice to see them see them win. You know, it's it's the first final they've ever been in 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 the in the elite league, so for them to win it would be something spectacular and be just be a fantastic advert for the sport. You know, one of those lower end teams uh, running against Belfast who were, could possibly win the league. No, it, it'd be great for them if if, if they could win it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know, it's a final at the end of the day. You know, anybody could anybody could win. Uh, anybody can play. You know, anybody can get the goals at any point. Um, and you look at the team that Guildford have got. Certainly, uh, certainly could pull something out of the bag. Obviously, they've got one of the strongest defensive units in the elite league. Accurate, obviously, being the forefront of that. Um, yeah, uh, you know, on top of that, you, you throw in, obviously, as you say, you throw in the fact that Belfast are contesting for that title. It's anyone's game. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely would be fantastic to see them, you know, to, to see Guildford lift the silverware at the end of that. Uh, moving away from, uh, obviously, that the highlights just gone with regards to the games, more on to the disciplinary side of things. Dops have been busy this week. Um, I'll kick us off with the first, which is this considerably the, uh, well, certainly the most minor of the three uh, incidents regarding DOPS over the last week. The first was Jonathan Boxhill uh, was assessed an instigator penalty uh, on the 9th of Feb, I believe. I think I believe it was the Saturday just gone. Um, and he was given a, a, an instigator penalty. He was given a match ban for that, given that the fight was in, I think, the last five minutes. There were gloves off, and he travelled a fair distance for that. Uh, so they confirmed he missed the game on Sunday against the Panthers, obviously that overtime loss for the Giants. What what do we make of that, guys? I mean, there's no video of it, but just from the premise of last five minutes, decent distance travelled, are we thinking it's it's roughly what should be given? Obviously, there's been a couple of incidents of, of fights in the last couple of minutes of the game recently. It's kind of consistent to what the rule is. However, there's been a couple of occasions where players have done the same and have not been suspended. Uh, I think one example was, I always say Mark Louis. I could be making that up. Yeah. Um, it's been noticed, so thank you, I didn't make that up. Um, so, as the rule is, it's it's fine. It's spot. I mean, the hit. Um, I see the hit. It, did, it wasn't a good hit. Um, it's a player stepping up for his teammate, which you see so many times. And you, you see it venture into the uh, the murky waters of the um, fight instigator penalty. So, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, I suppose. But uh, it's consistent to the actual rule. It's just the application of the rule may not be, or may not have been consistently applied this season. Yeah, I 
totally agree with Granty on that one. It's a guy sticking up for his teammate, which is, <clears throat> as a fan, that's all you can ask for. Especially most of the times where we're watching hockey is just on TV. We're like, if a big hit's been thrown, that is pretty bad. You're like, okay, why is no one sticking up for your teammate there? Boxell's done it well. He's gone in, stuck up for his teammate. Yeah, as they as the the ruling goes, after I think it's like any fights after five after five minutes, then you get a game misconduct. It's there has been a, a fair few amount of that occurring this season, which is at least it's consistent in parts of it. With the Mark Louis one being one that wasn't unfortunately, but. It's just how the the game's been so far this season. Yeah, it's it's so consistent, you know, the the the, the match banner after with like five minutes to go in the period and you get involved in in altercation, whether that's been on the ice, travelling distance, or coming off the bench to get involved. Uh, it's been consistent by rule, but not probably so much by consistent from Dops. Um, but as a player, you know, you to you know step in and and. Prove that point to the guy that you know you can't do that to my teammate. That's horrible. You know you shouldn't be allowed to do that, and I'm not going to let you get away with it. And I'd definitely take a match ban just to stand up for someone. You know. So yeah, by rule, consistent by the way that Dops hand them out, probably not so much. Uh, I feel like Devon needs changing. He's probably looked at a bit more. Um, but yeah, just. just Create a box for you know standing up for his teammate and uh, I'd love to see more of that in Sheffield to be honest at times though it's not always been there um, but now we'll wait and see but, but fair play to Boxall. Yeah, I, it's it's been a rule that's been around for a long time. Whether you agree with it or not, it, it's always been the rule of the, the match penalty if you have a fight in the last five. Even before we really officially had a, had DOPS under the name DOPS, it, it was a rule and it was it was given out occasionally. Um, very, very inconsistent in how it was given out. I don't think there's anybody going to be complaining about Box Hill doing it. At the end of the day, as you say, you stick up for your teammate, not a problem. You miss a game, fair play. But if we're starting to say players don't do that in the last five minutes because they know they're going to get a match penalty, then that just gives everyone without any real justification or any any you know any justice coming from it. All right, oh, if I if I make a dodgy hit on this guy, I might get a two minute penalty for boarding, or I might get a two ten. But realistically, I'm not going to answer the bell because they're going to get a match penalty. So I'm, I'm if anything, I'm kind of impressed that Boxhill still stood up and and did and took the you know took the fight and took the match ban for that. But yeah, I, I agree with you totally, Andy. I, I'd like to see more of it in Sheffield. There's been so many times where I've seen it and just gone, why are we not sticking up for each other? So. Yeah, as far as far as that goes, right application of the rule, but I don't really agree with the rule per se. It's been around forever. Um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, the next ruling or next rulings, should I say? I'm going to throw over to Greth as who's closer to the whole debacle. Uh, it obviously involves the Manchester Storm and the Five Flyers. Greth, do you want to fill us in? Oh, where do I start? Start with <laughs> Dane Byers. Start with the easy one. So, yeah, as Joe's mentioned there, Dane Byers got a, a one-game suspension for 
a check to the head. It was a requested review by Bell, uh, sorry, from Fife. It's the hit he, he didn't really need to make, but he's obviously made it anyway. It's just unfortunate for, for Storm, in fact, because we're now without another player for at least one game. Captain as well, isn't he? And he's, yeah, oh. captain as well, which is even more of a, oh, great, without without a player, without a captain. It's not like a Manchester team to have the captain banned. Nah, never. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Rosell, who's he? One of those. Apparently, an NX NHL <laughs> player who uh, who needs who needs to think about his ability to play in a lower league. Apparently. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I I I know you guys have seen the video for the Dubs case on it. What do you think about it? I thought I'm not gonna lie. I think he's my me person. I think he's a bit hard to do. Um, I don't think it's a game ban. I think at most it's probably a five-plus game. Do I think it's reckless? No. Careless? Probably not. It's not not a clean hit, but it's not one that goes, do you know what, Let's have a sit-down for a game or two. I, I, I think he's a bit unlucky. Um, but, you know, um, I, I, I must admit, when I saw the video, I laughed. It was a bit of a, you know, a, a carry-on. It's something that should be in like a carry-on film. Just... It was just, I think Joe got it right, the debacle of the whole thing. Um, it just befitted it. So, but I, I think he's a bit, me personally, I think he's a bit lucky. I don't think it's a headshot. I don't think it's a hit to the head. Um, but, yeah. I, don't think, I think he's unlucky. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure saying that. I think it's just like a, a mistiming of body position that, that mainly got the, uh, the instant fur, but. Yeah, just just really unlucky, but I suppose it, you know it's one of them things you you can't really uh, there's not enough camera angles now to properly cover it to get a definitive answer from something. So I, I, that's why he's got the ban for it. Um, but you know, just some things you just got to take. You know, it's one game. Maybe it could be more. So yeah, just be, be thankful it's one game and probably not more. It's probably the best outcome from from this. Yeah, I, I just don't understand this one at all. I mean, from the word go, I just don't understand this. I, I'd go as far as saying it was careless. I don't know what kind of step you take from careless to reckless. Um, I, I think on a very vague definition, careless and reckless, you'd say would be the same thing. I guess reckless, you kind of throw in the disregard for a player's um, you, you know, health and well-being a, a little bit more, and, and that's where your line's drawn. I'd say it's careless just on the premise of... It was just unnecessary. The defender was already stepping in. It was brilliantly obvious he was taking the body. What was the need for Baez to come in and make the hit at that point? It was just stupid. There was plenty of opportunity for him to pull out before hit making the hit because he knew that obviously his defender was stepping in. I just, I just honestly just I just that was the thing I just didn't understand the point of the hit in the slightest. Um. I think a match ban's harsh. I agree with you guys. I, to be fair, I mean, the guy we hit appeared to get up. I don't know whether he played the rest of the game. I, I honestly couldn't say, but he appeared to get up. He didn't appear to be in a lot of anguish. He just kind of seemed to, if anything, the more damage seemed to come from uh, one player skating into his head while he was on, <laughs> he was on the floor. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't think it was a great. I, he didn't look particularly injured. He didn't look in in much pain. It just like, looked like a bit of a dodgy collision. Um, I think a match ban's harsh on this one. I think Baez has come off. In a sense, he's come off better off with the whole game in terms of bans, but I, I don't understand Dobbs' decision for a match ban on that. I don't understand why he made the hit in the first place. I guess that, that's, the, that's the key thing, I think. The only reason I could possibly see an explanation for a one-match ban is just the hit was unnecessary. The hit was unnecessary, and if it had head contact, then fair play, you mix those two in, but just... Just the whole thing just baffles me. There's, there's nothing really more I can say other than just baffling. I think the the hit was because minutes before that, a five player did a big hit on one of our guys. So obviously being the captain, he was trying to f- throw his body around. That's like saying Evgeny Malkin got punched in the back of the neck. So obviously naturally he was going to baseball swing at the guy's head. Like... <laughs> All right. Oh, he hit. He, oh, he, so he hit your teammate, and so now you've gone in for an unnecessary hit and got the captain banned for a game. It just the whole thing. Just you would have thought a guy like that and a guy with the responsibility of the captaincy would have thought twice before making a hit that was already blatantly being made by another one of his players. Well, and in fairness, if anything, the, the hit from the defender may have even been what caused the five player to change his body position, causing the head contact. That's the worst thing about it. Uh, I mean, we have seen his statement, so you know. Don't even get me started about his <laughs> statement just yet. <laughs> All right, well, so well, you're bringing it onto the statement. So go on to go on to the next bit, then, Griff. What 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 were yeah. the dops involvement? So yeah, bringing it on to the next involvement. We've had a, a discipline for both Fife and Manchester getting a three thousand pound fine for a. A little scuffle towards the end, you could say, where you you see Evan Stoffler getting six games, Harrison Root getting three, and Lyndon Springer getting five. <laughs> and as you tell from the last, uh, yeah, it's. I'll pass this on to you guys because, from what we saw on social media. This is quite funny. I think, I think you got it right. It's the social media response has made it more hilarious. Like everyone's condemned. Sorry for Sniffles at uh, Manchester. They, uh, they were saying that uh, Lucifer himself has booked a table so you can all, because they have the devil reincarnated. And actually, Dops has gone, actually, five for the Naughty Boys. They've caused it all. I think that's just, for me, the, the, the funny bit about it. Um, I've got to be honest, the whole thing, it really should start with the scene from Life Brian. He's not the size of a very naughty boy. It just has that whole feel about it. Um, especially with Springer. Um, there's a lot of stupidity. I think we'll be kind in using a lot of stupidity from a lot of people in the whole incident. Um, players involved and people on social media, just just to clarify that. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with the players involved. We'll not get into the, uh, the, the people on social media because that's, a, that's a, a lengthy MSN podcast that we could do um, this week. It's, I, just, I don't know why it's just been, been really daft this week. Uh, but the players involved. I think there's a lot of you know a lot of decisions made which you kind of go mm, yeah, and then the response, the reactions afterwards, the statements made, the, the phrase "silence is golden" would have been so well used this week, and you know some some folk you know players really yeah, it's a stupid incident. It's led to something. It's led to 
a total of 14 games cumulative suspension over something that really is, it was a scuffle after the game. That was it. You know, one fight, a few, a few harsh words, you know, a bit of pushing and shoving. It's, yeah. What tickled me is the, <laughs> the response on Twitter claiming that, um, I think it was the Byers or Springer that um, apparently they got in the wrong, went into the wrong game where they was together to, you know, sit down and, and do all the um, post-match presentation. I don't understand this. How do you get the wrong end of the ice when you've got a whole team in the same colour jersey going one way, another team, a different colour jersey going the other way? And not just that. It's like you've played in five before, and it's not really something you really forget as to, oh, oh, we should go over here. Maybe you fancied a different view. Maybe he did, yeah, yeah. It's the only explanation I can think of, because you're right. It's like, it's not the first time he's played in five, and he does that. It's, yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah, so that, that made me laugh quite a bit, the uh, Twitter uh, response from, from the storm there, that, that, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, from what from what it looked like to me is that, uh, obviously, the, there was a few uh, words said from the, from the five players when he when he was in that area. Uh, it's probably what, they're probably saying, oh, why, why are you over here and all that. And then uh, a few words exchanged, I think, and then obviously it's the old... Uh, School school playground thing where everyone gathers around, you know, all five players gathering around and uh, just wondering what's going on. Worst said, and then everything just spills over. Um. <laughs> I've got to say, fair play for him to understand. I mean, we know a few five fans of other fans of in Scotland, and some of the accents are really harsh. So for him to understand, fair play to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> I just think that the whole thing was just a massive farce, though, wasn't it? It was just. Like, just from just from start to finish, Byers goes to the wrong end of the ice. Like we've already said, like, what's your argument for that? You've played in Fife before. You were there last year. The players on, on the team that are new to this year knew which way to go. Why have, why have you suddenly singled yourself out as the only player that can't use basic logic to figure out, oh, the rest of my team over there? Oh, we're playing in white today. Oh, we're over there. Like, and then, oh, it's just the fact that he couldn't even just leave it. Oh, they start giving him, they start giving him some verbals. They start telling him he's an idiot because he's in the wrong end, and all of a sudden he's got to go over and have a, have a word back. The whole thing would have been avoided if he'd have just carried on skating. So you get that, and then you get all the whole team flying over, which I have to say is quite comical on the video. Um... And then, you know, if you a fight here and there, a sucker punch thrown or a glove punch, even I won't even go as far as saying a sucker punch, a glove punch thrown. And then all of a sudden this is blown completely out of proportion. And then the cherry on top, you get Springer's statement on Twitter of, oh, I made a mistake, but I've not had a ban for a while. So don't slate me too hard. And then you've got Byers' statement on the website of, oh, I didn't know where I was going. I'm sorry. Just like it was just the cherry on top of just a complete farce, wasn't it? Just a completely ridiculous. And then on top of that, just to just to cap the whole thing off, you get the most ridiculous and pathetic video from Dops. The moment everybody's been waiting for, with minimal description as to why any of the bands have been given, other than just he started it, he's got six, 
He's had a fight. He's got three. He's thrown a sucker punch. He's got five. End of video. Why have I just waited five days for that to come out? What if it's waiting gold, mate? Mate. Both his weight on gold of the comments on social media, maybe. Also, one thing, maybe it's an idea for Manchester for the Secret Santa, whoever gets uh, Springer, you know, get um, you know a bit of a sat nav for him so he knows which end of the ice to go to. And that'll be for Byers. Then just get Dane Byers a box that right. says this way up. Some arrows on I, the ice. I apologise, I thought it was yeah, arrows on the ice. Does he need it? Does he need every game to finish like an X Factor audition which says, please stand on this X? <laughs> Do not move from this X. You've just got a guy standing on the sideline going, now skate around the rink with a sign. I've got to throw one thing into this, because one of the things that's come out of the, the DOPS hearing is actually now that there's a protocol being done um, about where which end you have to go to. So now the league, because of all this, has now a protocol. Am I the only one who's thinking, this game is played by adults? <laughs> This game is played by a set of adults that will be on one side of the ice due to the location of the bench. That's apart from on the ice, they're on the rest of the game, so they know what end. We've, I, I, I must admit, I was disappointed. I understand where the league are coming from in terms of it's covering bases. Sometimes you have to do it. I'm not a fan of it, but sometimes you have to. But the fact it's got to that point where we now, oh, we now have to have a, a protocol, what end you go to. Um, that's the, if, if all of it, that's the most disappointing thing. That guys, do you not know? Do you need a rule to tell you which end of the ice to go to? Are you seriously telling me that you need to be told and there needs to be league rules to say when you finish the game, you go to that particular end? I feel like from now on, elite league rinks are going to turn into... Do you know like when you go into a car wash at a, um, a petrol station and you drive in and it has those green arrows saying drive, 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 stop. And I feel like that's what it's going to be like after each handshake. Keep going, keep going. Just stop there. Don't go any further. I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm, it's, a, it's a football video, but it was a, I think it was Russia or Germany. Uh, and the, the team had not scored for ages. And their fans went behind the net with arrows, pointing to the net. So that when they went towards where they were shooting at, they actually pointed where they'd have to shoot because they'd scored for like five, six games. Maybe, you know, elite league fans may need to do that. Maybe, uh, I don't know, Graf, let us know. Next time at the Storm Shelter, you know, are they, do you have your fans having arrows to point your guys to the right end? I don't know. Maybe it's something, you know. It would surprise me if that happens within the next few weeks or so. I mean, we're not playing Fife anymore now, but unless we get them in the playoffs, and that's if we get in the playoffs. And if they do. Yeah. <laughs> It'll come I, I to think, a point. It'll come to a point where they had to get people out in the high-vis jackets and those big, massive uh, <laughs> colours. Trying to air like an airport. Yes, over here, over here. <laughs> You'll have more air traffic controllers than Ethereum, I'm telling you. You shall stand at ends here, there and there. Yeah, I can see it all now, mate. I wasn't the only one that was actually down in the five end. Moffat was there and so was another Storm player, but Obviously, the other star player and Moffat noticed took, that the fire took the hint and out. went up the other side of the ice. Yeah, like normal and adults. Stevie Wonder could see he wasn't supposed to be at that end of the ring by that point. I can. I mean, I can see why they were there. I mean, they've just lost two one in a hard fought game where Dallas Earhart missed an empty net with like two seconds to go. Sorry, were we supposed to be surprised about that? No. <laughs> I mean, I know this conversation kind of turned a bit of a joke in terms of what we're saying, but it just shows just how stupid the whole thing has been. 
The, the other thing that sums it up for me is the, the comment of the first issue is one that the league must deal with immediately. Like So for a start, like this is something that's going to happen next week. Like this is, the league's been going for however long and we've never had an issue of, I didn't know where to stand. Like, just baffling. In the view of Dops panel, there is no excuse to have players change ends, cross paths, and even create even a slightest element of doubt to which... Uh, which end there to be in at the conclusion of the handshake. Uh, So just correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Players cross paths when they're in the handshakes and then double back and go back to where they were. So to say there's no reason to have players cross paths is just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's just a bad day at the office for everybody, mate. And like I say, you know, doubt of which end you are at. Again, I just kind of lean back to it's a game played by adults who spend most of their time at a particular end because of the location of the bench. If we can't work out, if, if basic adults can't, or hockey players, work out which end they need to be at to the point where the league needs to bring out a protocol, yeah, it's, it's not a good day at the office. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to bring this back around on topic slightly because obviously we've, we've, had all, we've had all the bands explained. So I'm just going to go around everybody now. We could talk about this for ages. Um, I'm just going to go around everybody now. Obviously, we've got a £3,000 fine for each team. Uh, we've got a Springer ban, a Roop fan, ban even, not fan, uh, and a Stofflet ban. I'm just going to go around and split each one up and just say what we think about each each sanction. Because, I mean, otherwise we could just talk and we could just slag off for the next half an hour just about how ridiculous it is that a protocol's been put in where to stand after a game. So we'll bring it back round. For a start, Fife and Manchester have both been given the maximum fine possible in Elite League rules, which is £3,000. What do we think? Well, that pays for the end of season do. Um, it's you look at the um, the NHL's um, arbitral rules where there's players there's like the sort of built into the uh, the players agreements where there's a maximum levy of what you can find, and it's an assumption that that is you know because when I'm saying the following, it's not criticism that we we aren't knowing the full rules. It's not in black and white. You know how much a team can be fined maximum, but uh, yeah. If that's what it is, that's what it is. I think, yeah, for how it's been like portrayed on social media, and it's not making the league look as good as they want it to look. And obviously for us, it's not the first time we've been in trouble for fights after five minutes. There was that incident down in Guildford. So for us, I think that was probably fair for us. I'm guessing for because of the stuff with suspension and it being in their rink and other things happening in their rink, that's where they've given their two fans a three-game ban. Because I think they're their own dots now as well in their rink. No, that's, that's the, it's, it's for foul language. It was the Department of Protecting from Offence. We're going to see a lot more of them in upcoming days. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, three thousand pounds for both teams is actually quite a lot of money for both of them. Um, but you know what? I can sort of understand the way the league wants to keep a good reputation, and you know, I suppose if if that's going to be the fine for you know for other teams to listen to, then maybe it will 
you know, prevent this from happening again, uh, even if we do need uh, arrows on the ice. But yeah, hopefully this is, this is the last um, thing of this situation. We'll see. Do you know the one thing that does mean about this is uh, it's just unbelievable that the maximum fine for a club in our league is £3,000. Like, I, I just, I heard the amount and instantly just thought, is that it? <laughs> like, you look at some, like, I, I, all right, I'm not comparing to the NHL, obviously we're talking like millions in salaries and things like that, but you would have thought, even for somebody that could afford to own and run a hockey team in this country, £3,000 is, it shouldn't be a great deal of money for a, a person who's paying 15 players or 18 players, however many players on each team, to play throughout a season. They're getting slapped on the back of the wrist and a three grand fine. Like, that's just baffling. I, just to me, that's just like, uh, just such a minimal amount. I can see why each team's been given a fine. Um, I'm kind of happy they haven't given a sanction against Finity. That was what that was one of my concerns about the incident because I know previously Finity's been warned about his inability to control his team. They have actually acknowledged the fact that the coaches had minimal input into this. There wouldn't have been a great deal the coaches could have done. So I'm kind of happy about that because it wouldn't have really been justified to give Finity anything coming out of this. Three grand fine, well, fine on either side, fair play. But just for me, just it might be a very naive comment. I don't know, but three grand doesn't seem a great deal to be finding two clubs. I, it just shouldn't. It just doesn't strike me as a lot of money. But that that may be coming from and in big inverted commas that may be become, maybe coming from an arena team mentality. And as I say, in big inverted commas, but it, it just doesn't seem like a great amount. Um. Anyway, moving on from the three grand, uh, we then go on. I'll go to the first one on the video. So Stofflet, a six-match ban. Essentially, he was highlighted as the player that started the whole issue. Um, what do we think? I'm going to be a little bit controversial. I don't think it should be anywhere near six games. I'd, I'd go at the max two. And I'd be happy with one. And, like, and it's why I said earlier on, if you boil it down to what's happened... Yes, he may be deemed as though he started the fight, but it's a fight. Yes, it's uh, in the end of the game, but it's a fight. That happens at any point of game. If you want to give him match penalty, fine. Give him the one-game ban from that with match penalty. But six games, no, sorry. And in fairness, you know, for the others, there's been, too many, for me, too many games given for what's actually happened in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I... I don't think it was six games, but I would have said about maximum three or four um, uh, max. He's been given it because he's thrown a, a right a right hand punch to a unsuspecting opposing player, and then that's apparently accelerated the incident even further, which then started the fight with Root. So I'd say the three or four would have been. At a max, like it's, it's one of those where given six, it's like really. Although I think they're trying to send a message, basically. Yeah, six is way too much for this sort of thing. Three, I'd probably send out to max. 
Um, it was also deemed that this was uh, the direct cause of, of the fight between uh, Stofflet and Ruop. Um, yeah, far too many games for, for me. Three at the max. Um, you know, you can't always stop fighting. You, even, even if it is off the whistle, you know, there's, there's always, you know, some sort of reason for it and and things like that. And, and for the time it happened, you know, three games is acceptable for me, but six is just way too much for this particular occasion. Do you know the thing that does mean about this is the threw a punch to an unsuspecting opposition. Is that just because he threw a glove punch at a guy who still had his gloves on? Because every single player in that melee, as far as I could see, was looking in the direction of Stofflet. And I'm pretty sure that he hasn't just lashed out and randomly thrown a vicious punch at a guy on the ice. I'm pretty sure that whoever it was that he's punched has said something or done something to provoke that punch. He's thrown a glove punch. He's not knocked his teeth out or knocked him into next week or ended his career. He's thrown a half-arse glove punch into his face, and that's it. Like I just don't. It just baffles me that we're talking about this as a six-match ban. And the fact that we're saying this caused the incident, the fact that Byers was the whole cause of it for turning round after somebody said something to him and starting by confronting one of the five players, why is why if all of a sudden is one guy reacting to something that somebody else has said the the prime cause of the of the incident? And on top of that, why is a fight worth six matches? This is a hockey game. This is a hockey game where you used... Can you imagine if in the in the times when we had people like Brett Cloutier playing in the league, Brad Voff playing in the league, people like that, you used to watch these guys go out and fight pretty much every game. Even when we had Sean McMorrow or Ben Olsen in the league, and you used to see a fight at least every other game. Can you imagine at that point turning around and saying, in five years' time, players going to get a six-match ban for having a fight after a whistle? Or after the, after the buzzer goes, you'd be laughing him out of the room. I mean, for me, it's not a case of you know we want meatheads fighting every two minutes. I just think it's more of a, a, a kind of a reality check. You know, these things happen. And if one of the questions that we ask is about the sanitization of the game, if you sanitize it too much or you try to sanitize it too much, you build the frustration up, and this these things happen. So you try and you know try and take it out of the game by giving these ridiculous game bans, and you can't appeal it because it's not eight games plus, as the uh, the Panthers report said with the Rizzling ban. Um, it's, to me, it's, it's stupid. I, I I understand image was talked about in the doctor thing, but you know what? Yeah, it's happened. A fight's happened off the whistle. How many times in 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 games in the UK, has a scrap happened, or an altercation happened, or a gathering of people happened after the final hooter? Come, come the playoff quarterfinals, and it's a close game. I guarantee you now, if you're the team that's one goal behind, you'll be starting something just to say, "We've got you tomorrow. You want that final four spot? Yeah, you're gonna have to earn it." And that is how it's, you know, and you can't sanitize that because, you know, unless you're gonna say, "Right, anything like that's 20 games," if you really wanted to go down that line. So I, I'm, it's, it's disappointing for me, not because it's trying to say we want fights all the time. It's just, it's kind of going too far. The change of the sport, that's the difference. It's all right saying we want to change the culture away from people just saying, 
hockey's a game half made of knuckle draggers throwing throwing fists around on a ring. That's fine, but the whole you know the whole principle of hockey is being you do something or you get two players who have a, have a few words and want to have a you know want to go toe to toe. They drop the gloves, they have a scrap, they come back five minutes later, and all of a sudden it's you drop the gloves. Oh, you've dropped them first. You're sitting for twelve minutes because you're the instigator. Oh, you fought as well, so actually we'll give you the instigator as well. Oh, you fought a bit later on in the game, so we're going to give you a, a three match ban. It's just there's not even an injury that's come out of it the only injury coming out of the whole fight was on himself yeah, yeah. It, uh, it just that that's like the whole principal reason a lot of the time it's one of the principal things you look at when you give a guy a ban for an incident he's made a check to the head has it resulted in an injury yes okay three match ban this guy's thrown a glove punch at a guy looking at him and saying something to him and provoking that glove punch and then had a fight, no injury caused, and had given him a six-match ban. That's just ludicrous to me. Yeah, it's... I, I, yeah, I think I think we're going to be on the same hymn on that one because it's, it's it sends a message, I think, the wrong one in terms of it's, gone, it's a message sent too far. Mm. But... Moving on from that, we could do that. We could do that to death, as we probably already have. Um, obviously, Ruop got a three-match ban for being involved in the fight with Stoffler. What do we make of the three-match ban? Same principle, two men, one game max. Match penalty. You know, game match penalty done and dusted for me. Next. I'd say one match as well. It come under the fight up. After five minutes left in the third period, even though it's right after the game, one game, two at a max. Just like the one before, just like the one with the uh, Stoffley, it's, it's another incident of white boxers standing up for a teammate. You know, if, if you're not just going to let someone, you know, do something to a teammate or whether it be put someone at risk, you're not just going to bite down and let them do that. You're going to get involved. And send the message through. And again, three, way too much. I definitely agree with one being probably the max for this one, if not just a match penalty. Um, but with it saying an active and willing participant, it's not really saying that he's the troublemaker or the cause of all this. He's not backing down from stand for a teammate, for being offered a fight or to send the message. So I can't understand where... Making these bands up from. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it nice and short, but you guys have pretty much covered it for me. Fight after the whistle, uh, after the final whistle, I don't see why it's a three match ban. Two willing combatants go at it, have a fight, and all of a sudden we've got nine ma- a nine match ban accumulatively out of it. Baffling. Um, should have been the same as Boxhill. One match ban, and that's it. I don't see why it should be any more. Um, I just, I just don't get it. I just really, really don't get it. The other thing for me is if Stoffler's got, got, you know, got hold of him and he's, and he's, he's decided he's having a scrap. Why are we giving a guy three match ban for dropping the gloves and fighting with him? What's he expected to do? Turtle and get his head caved in? If anything, for me, giving a guy three match ban for fighting with a guy who's already decided he's going to have to fight is if, if anything completely contradicting the whole point of a department of player safety because they're saying, oh, you're not allowed to defend yourself because you're going to get a three-match ban for it. All right. Daft. 
Um, moving on from those two, they're probably the, the, the more controversial out of the three penalties, but even for me, the next one is as well. Uh, Lyndon Springer, um, Gref knows exactly what I think about Lyndon Springer, but five-match ban. You think he's a beautiful man? Do you know what? To be fair, I was saying this the other day. I, I, you know, I might disagree with certain things that he does in a game. He's one of the last old-school players in our league at the moment, and you know, I, I, I don't really... You might question it as an opposition, but when you take a step back, like, I mean, one thing that everybody's got to realise listening to this is me, uh, Andy and Dave are all neutrals watching this. And as far as we're concerned, it benefits us to have as many Manchester players and as many five players banned as physically possible because it gives us a better chance of making playoffs if those two teams, who are both in contention with us for a playoff spot, have as minimal players as they can for as many games as possible. And we're all saying that they get the players that we've discussed so far shouldn't have had the size of the bands. So that's it's one one key thing to bear in mind that we're neutrals on this and actually stepping aside and watching plays like plays players like Springer in a game that your team isn't involved in, you appreciate him as a player that is just he's old school. And he even said in his statement about it, how do you know I'm, I play hockey the way that I know how to play? Yeah, the play, the way that hockey was played five or ten years ago, before they brought in this run, you know, this 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 new speed and skill hockey without the, the physicality. But anyway, well, you know, stepping aside from that, five match ban. What do we think? I'd, I'd say too many again. Um, probably say two, just with some of the additional activities. Amongst it all, um, but yeah, it's uh, I think two for me with the max. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'd probably say about two or three. It's it's a glove punch. It's not the hardest glove punch that you'd ever see Springer throw. I mean, we we saw him on the fight with Grattan during the season. Those were some. Big punches from then, even with obviously they were without gloves on. I mm. still just think it'd be two, three games. Pretty much a similar situation to Stoffler then, with the with the punches from the left hand punch directly at the player, and then for another one, which I don't think was forceful, but is, is what the Illyric was saying. But it's the same sort of situation, you know. He's 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 not the cause of all of this, but he threw a second a second punch, which means he gets more games. And for me, again, too many. Um, three, an absolute max. Just just like I said for Stoffley, give him both, give him both three. So then at least it's you know it's consistent in not giving this whole game difference for basically nothing, nothing much of a reason at all. So again, it's it's inconsistent and. Way too many. I just think the whole thing again is it, it's too much for what he's done. As as Greff says, he's 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 glove punched a guy. That's it. He's he's thrown a. All right, you can argue. Yeah, um, you know he's all right. He's the guy had one arm tied up behind him. Both arms weren't tied up because one arm was on him. One arm had got hold of him. The first punch that they've classified is him actually trying to get the arm off him by hitting the, hitting down on his arm. So, yeah, you know, fair play on that. But then, are we really saying 
you know, a glove punch to the face. All right, the guy maybe couldn't lift his arms, but a glove punch that it's not like he's, he's, he's hardly done anything. He's thrown a glove punch with his left hand, which was his leading hand. It's not exactly his strongest hand. You know, he's not thrown from his right hand, which is his back arm, where he could really get some power behind it. He's thrown a left jab at the guy's face. And that's a five-match ban. <laughs> it just, it, I, looking back, I, I've, I've had a look back just to compare to some of the older kind of bands that we've seen in the league. And obviously, you know, we've, we've seen some pretty ridiculous bands at times. Um, the most notable being Derek Campbell, obviously got the 47-match ban for a number of things. I mean, he got a 10-match ban for excessive force to the head, and part of that 47-match. 12-match for a knee to the head, a 12-match for an attempted eye gouge. We're stepping up to a five-match ban now for a sucker for a, for a supposed sucker punch, which was a, a, a as I say a leading hand jab with a glove on. Can you imagine what Derek Campbell would have been looking at now if we're giving out a five-match ban for a guy who's glove punched someone? Um, I'd say you'd be getting like a NHL season ban, if if not more. He's essentially got a pretty much got a season ban for for it before, didn't he? I, I just. The, the other thing that I've spotted is is one with Andrew Conboy for Cardiff. He was given a five-match ban, and this is the reason that I'm bringing it up. He's been given the same ban as Lyndon Springer has this time round. He was given the same ban on Saturday the 31st of August 2013. So we're talking six years ago or so, five, five six years ago, in a, in, a, in a game against Esberge, which I believe was when Sean Limpwright was playing for Esberge. Um and Conboy was given a five-match ban for headbutting. So all of a sudden now, a glove punch is now given the same tariff of a ban as a headbutt. What? Just what is happening? Too I, much I, ban, Max, for Springer for me. Too much ban. As, as much as we all kind of agree that there's too many, I think one of the points you raised before we kind of started going about the games is we've mentioned so many times, but it's, it's relevant. It's like the game is now moving towards the speed and the skill, whereas before it, it have that onus on it. Um, my, you know, you can have both speed, skill, and physical play. They're, they're not, you know, exclusive to each other. You can have them both at the same time. And we've all watched um, European games, whether it's on the internet or physical live, where you have both. And I think the league needs to remember that if I'm honest, and encourage, you know, clean physical play that can go alongside speed and skill. Because I think if you ignore one side of it, a lot of the fans, and it'll take a generation to recoup, you'll lose a lot of fans because, you know, that was the thing, if we're all honest, that's the thing that brought fans to the game was the speed, the skill, and the physical element. Now, yes, a lot of the physical element years ago weren't clean. But you can you can have clean physical you know good clean hits you know and good clean play. Yes, we this whole five Manchester debacle doesn't look good and it's not what you want. But if you're trying to eke that part of the game away, I think the damage it'll cause. If I'm honest, I think it'll be too much, and I think it will. You'll see it more in in the numbers of people going to the games long term. I think you'll also see it in the number of injuries. <laughs> Because the thing is, it's all right. You know, they're never going to get rid of the hitting. There's no way they're going to get rid of the hitting. Every so often, at least, you're going to see a bad hit, just like you do now, just like you did in the past. Regardless of even if they say completely zero tolerance, no hits in the game, you are eventually going to see every so often a bad hit. 
And the problem is there are going to be certain players at certain skill levels, a.k.a. your lower fourth liners, that in certain games will go, right, well, if I take their star player out, I might get a five-match ban. But my team can cope with losing me. If they're in, t- in contention for a title, let's say right now, five years five years down the line, Cardiff and Belfast. I'm not by any means saying either team have this mentality. But this is if you follow it to its logical extremity, this could easily happen. Cardiff and Belfast, five years down the line, all of a sudden the Elite League said, right, no hitting, no fighting, nothing like that. Purely speed and skill. A bottom, a bottom end fourth liner for Belfast goes, oh, we're in contention against Cardiff for the league. What happens if I take out their top scorer with a big hit? He's out for 10 games. I might get a 10 match by myself, but they, could, they can cope without having me. But they can't cope without having their top scorer. That could do us some good. And on top of that, there's no guy that's going to jump on top of him and cave his face in for, for injuring their player. Because he's going to stand there and go, well, come at me because, you, you know, you'll just lose another player. The whole part, I don't necessarily think that it should just be self-policed. Obviously, the referees are there for a reason. But the whole self-policing part stops certain players from taking liberties where they don't really care about getting the ban. They might not care about getting a ban, but they care about getting punched. And that's the thing for me. You move away from the physical side, you open it up in certain aspects to more injuries. Obviously, you also take away the element of, of other injuries, but... As I say, if you follow it to its logical extremity, you're opening it up to other injuries in other scenarios. And we already know, and we've already, you know, if you've seen Ice Guardians, one of the key things they highlight is the concussions that we see in sport mainly come from the hits rather than the fights. Um, and, and then we're trying to deter the hits. It's it, sorry, deter the fights. It just baffles me. Um, but again, different argument for a different day. Um, Moving on from DOPS, because, again, I think we could talk about this as we probably talked about this for 40 minutes now. So <laughs> moving on to to the rest of the, the items on the agenda, we'll move again to, I'm really happy I've, I've labelled it as this, we're moving to the airport section, the departures and arrivals. Um, the first departure, um, I'll just get this one over and done with. It's no surprise. There's not really a great deal we can say about it. He accumulated approximately a minute and 25 on the ice in total. First time in, in, in the month with Sheffield. Uh, Silvestre Silicis has left the Steelers to nobody's surprise. Um, has anybody got anything else that they want to add to that? Or is that just a quick, this is what's happened, breeze on? Because he's, he's going to have no impact. He had no impact I, when he was here. I thought Cazales was the worst import we'd signed in the Elite League. But I think Silicis has unfortunately rivaled him. Um, it's a shame he, he had the potential to have a pedigree that would you know be decent, but Kesara he's uh, he's jumped on the uh, the Ryanair flight and he's uh, left the airport. I totally forgot you actually had him at one point. To be fair, that's I think, I think so did Tom Barrasso. <laughs> His elite prospects page says six games played for Sheffield, no points. I think six minutes for Sheffield might be a bit of an exaggeration, let alone six games. Um, he's now played for four teams this year already. It just, yeah. Yeah, he's he's, he's got quite a few air miles under his belt this season. Let's just say that. Um, yeah, getting a good flight in with Virgin at the end of the year, then he might have a, he might have an upgrade to first class waiting for him. Oh, could could be Malaysian Airlines, but you never know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, not a massive surprise. Um, obviously, it's not made much 
He's not really much of an impact. Um, you know, he's, he's a young guy, so I, I think there's quite a few, a, a few um, you know, a bit of promise on him. He's a young guy, probably a, a quick skater uh, from, from behind the net to make a play, you know, things like that. But still, it worked out for him. Uh, but it's all, it is quite interesting now that because uh, Matheson's out uh, with, with leg for probably quite a while. Uh, it's, it's, still, it's still got a, a cast on his leg. So... I thought he might have been staying for a while, you know. I, I, first, I've not seen him on the ice for quite a long time. But I, I thought the the keep him on as, you know, just extra body, put him on for a few shifts on the on, on the fourth line, you know, just get a bit of minutes so he lets the demon have a rest. Uh, but now Dave is back, you know, there's, there's not much need for him anymore. Plus, he's, he's not really impressed. So... They're probably already looking for a replacement just for the, for the rest of the season. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what sort of route they go, because as I mentioned before, there's not many players available. So whether they do go down the Jonas Fredriksson route again, we'll, we'll, we'll not know until uh, until they've made a signing. But, um, it's yeah. got to be today now, isn't it? Today's the deadline, though. Yeah, it is got to be today, yeah. So, 22 uh, hours and counting. Yeah, so... We'll see what happens, but yeah, not a player that really impressed. Uh, but hopefully, you know, in a couple of years, he'll, he'll be one of the top uh, players in Europe. Well, let's let's end the conversation about him on a bit of a positive. He left on a um, a, a positive plus minus, um, which for a team that's had a poor defence, let's give the kid some credit. He, he's he's come out with that. Yeah. I wonder if people even bothered looking at his plus minus. Do you think it's like he could have easily been on for a goal against for all we know? Like he literally was on for about five shifts. Like, yeah, it just it, it just seemed an odd signing. I guess I guess it must have been a guy that was brought in and just didn't live up to expectations. You've got to admire the like the boldness of of Barasso to bring him in and actually just say, you know what, you're not getting the ice time because you're not good enough. To be fair, in one aspect, yes, you might say it's a waste of signing, but at the same time, I'd rather us do that than us be putting him, putting him out on the ice. If we're thinking, oh, this guy's a bit of a liability, this guy's not good enough, I'd rather see us keep him on the bench and just go, he's on a one flow and keep him for that and let him go. I'd rather see that than go, oh, actually, let's just give him a few shifts. You know, if we, if, we, if they'd have put, popped in a few more goals against while he was on the ice just because we fancied giving him a few shifts just to get a bit of use out of him. What's the point in that? So, I don't, I don't know. Weird. Uh, moving on from that, we'll go back to Greth on this one, because you've had two totally not trying to fill in for the two bands, that you, to the three bands that you've received um, <laughs> signings. Do you want to fill us in on those? And the British as well, so we get away with it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we've signed... Sam Sajak played on a two-way deal from Whitley Warriors. He's played for Telford Tigers in the old EPL league. Played for Swindon Wildcats. He's played for Brayhead Clan and the Vipers back in the old days there. He's, this season so far, he's got 36 points in 28 games. He's the assistant captain. 13 goals, 23 assists. I'm sure he'll do well on the the odd games that he'll play for us. 
because I'm pretty sure losing two D-men, we're going to need him. The next signing we had as well, another Brit, she's always good. This one's a, a forward that's playing, from what I, I noticed on the, what Storm released in regards to the signing, he's playing against Dundee on the Wednesday game that we've got. He's, so far this season, 17 games, 18 points for Basingstoke. So that's, that's actually not too bad. I mean, he's... Penalty minutes will get along with a lot of our players. 113 in 17 games. But yeah, the great thing about this is that it's from Kokoda. It's from Fife, Glenn Frops. It's brilliant. <laughs> I have to say, like, I saw these two signings, and the first thing, the first thing these two signings scream out are, with three bodies down, making a playoff push. We need some help. <laughs> And I have to say, stellar work by Finity and everybody involved. Because it, if nothing else, it is absolutely hilarious. It's just like a, it's just like two fingers up to the flyers, isn't it? Really, like this has all gone on. You've branded us as the whole, the root cause of this. Your players ended up with the biggest ban, and now also we're going to slap you by saying, you know what? We brought in two guys to cover for the bands. All right, it's not they're not going to be world changing. But two two bodies, one guy's got you know he's got some EIHL experience as you say, Sam Zajac, uh, 208 games in the Elite League, 16 points, um, not going to change the world, but as you say, D-man, decent enough, um, you know a lot of experience in the NAHL and obviously now and obviously yeah, an assistant for the Whitley Warriors as well, so a good fill-in signing, good body to bring in if anything. Uh, Liam Morris again, young guy, 23 years old, um, you know. Stats aren't quite as easy to read. He hasn't played any games in the Elite League, but again, another good body. Anybody's better than anything. Even if he sat on the bench like Salikis was for half the time, even if you just use him for one shift just to fill in while one guy gets a breather, he's done his job. That's that's the key thing. I think it's good that Manchester are um, excuse me, providing some uh, British talent the opportunity to play in the Elite League. Let's twist this on its side. You know, they're, they're promoting British play. I think it's wonderful. Um, so clearly, out of that then you're saying the incident uh, in the five yeah. Manchester game was a good thing for the British game. That's your words, not mine. Um, but no, it's uh, in fair. Zajac's got the elite league experience, and you know Morris is an opportunity. On a serious point, they've got now got opportunities to to showcase themselves in in the the top league in the UK. So you know either grab it both fans or they go back to the NIHL. You know it's the balls in their court as it were. It's so like Dave said, it's he's, he's great that they're giving these Brits an opportunity you know, to, in, in in Sam's case, once again, step up to the top league and, uh, um, you know, give a bit of time. Maybe he'll, he'll really prove a point, you know, he'll, he'll could put a, a few points in, in, in his time uh, in Manchester. But as, as cover goes, you know, Sam's age is, is a really good one. You know, he's, he's got the experience, um, didn't do too bad in terms of... Uh, in terms of points in the in the league with Brayhead, um, so yeah, as as cool goes, not a bad signing for him. And uh, Liam Morris is the son of Frank Morris, who was the assistant coach in Brayhead a couple of years ago. So uh, obviously, he'll know affinity pretty well. 
So obviously, uh, he'll have seen him seeing good things and think, and and he'll think, oh, this is a really good cover. So no, there's, there's a bit of logic in there. There's some thinking, and yeah, yeah, they could do pretty well in in in, in the time Manchester. Yeah, and then the last change that we've got um, is a bit of a blunt one, a bit of a, an out-of-the-blue but very strangely publicised. Uh, Ryan Lannan has left the Milton Keynes Lightning. Uh, they've tweeted to say he's left. Their statement was, um, shall we say, short and sweet was literally essentially along the lines of Ryan Lannan's left. We're not commenting any further. That's it. Led to a lot of questions on social media of, do you actually know where he's gone or has he just disappeared? Um, but yeah, strange one. Just, just out of the blue, just he's gone. It were very much a short, sweet, see you, live you, bye. There was no, you know, we like, you know, there was the thanks, but that was, was very little. There was no love lost in that. He, he's, no, I mean, he's ended up, he signed for Vassen Sport in uh, Finland. Um, so, you know, if you get the chance to go to Finland, it's, uh, you know, fair, as an input, it's fair of your career. But, uh, yeah, um, MK certainly uh, gave a um, blunt uh, PR. Um, it probably reads more into it than actually the words that was actually used. The, the PR was, it pretty much just said, we are aware that Ryan has left the club. It's like... Okay, where's he gone? Do you even know where he's gone? It was literally, just, <laughs> it was literally just like they'd said, "Oh, he's not turned up to train. Let's go and check his room. Oh, he's taking his stuff. He must have left." It was, it was like, it was just nothing. It wasn't like, "Oh, we've had a chat with with Ryan and he's left for personal reasons or anything like that." It was just, "We're aware he's gone. Not saying anything else. Done." <laughs> like maybe maybe a summer game that they have. You know, where's Lennon in, in, in the guise of where's Wally? Lost Lannan. There you go. Lost Lannan. <laughs> keep, keep the alliteration. At first, I thought this was quite surprising, but when you think about it, Ryan Lannan was, for a time, the assistant coach at MK, uh, MK alongside Tim Wallace, when he took over from Doug Mackay. And with the whole debacle at MK, which we'll get on, on, on to in a second, maybe with him being the assistant coach for a time, maybe, you know, there's... There is something wrong behind the scenes, um, so maybe that that's why he's left. You know, there's, he's probably not not being paid his wages for the time of his assistant coaching, so maybe he's he's just thought, you know, what well, I'm, I'm I'm not sticking around, so I'm going. And in in fair in, in fair fairness to him, at 36 years old, to get a contract with uh, Varzan uh, in the SM Liga in Finland is is a pretty good, it's a pretty good thing, especially especially at his age. So. He's obviously got uh, something that Varzan liked, so maybe this could be a good thing for him. Yeah, certainly a good step up for him, but just, just baffling in the way in the way it was announced. Um, really, really strange. But yeah, obviously we we hope all is well in that aspect of things because we we always say it's it's not good to see that things may be going wrong for teams in the league. Obviously, we want the best for the league as a whole. Um, and a player leaving in that kind of fashion doesn't necessarily suggest all is good. Um, but obviously we can only speculate at this point as to why. Hopefully, you know, you never know, more may come out, more may not. Moving on from that, more may have come out already to suggest it, or actually previous to the announcement that he'd left. 
an article in the Star, I believe it was, um, regarding some issues. Uh, it, literally, I've got it written down exactly as you described it there, Andy, as the MK debacle. Um, like, just it, it, by the looks, obviously, we know early on in the season, Doug McKay left Milton Keynes, and, and at that point, it was publicised that he'd left for personal reasons. Um, now, when you dig a little bit deeper, now when you read the the, the articles and, and and you look into that side of things, it looks as though there may be a bit more to it. Um, just from reading the article in the Star, it looks like McKay went home or went to his his home in Toronto for a mini break. Um, okay, granted, not something you normally see in the elite league, but he went home thinking all was well uh, and was told while he was out there that he'd been sacked for gross misconducts. Um, no, you've not even a hint of a suggestion as to what this gross misconduct is. Um, but then again, you look at it, it looks, there's some allegations that he's not being paid. I think he said nine weeks worth of um, recruitment and negotiations that haven't been paid. Um, apparently, he subbed his visa, his healthcare surcharge, his skates and his flights, uh, which he wasn't apparently reimbursed for. Um, just not a good look for MK at the moment. It's just the only thing you can really say for that. It is. It's. Um, I mean, they've, they've kind of not had the start in their elite league kind of tenures they'd like, as they used to be. You know, one of the uh, the major players of the old EPL. With um, with the sign, Mackay, you all thought you know decent signing, good pedigree, should be able to you know get them going, and, and they made a couple of signings, and you know we thought this could be a mid-table team. It just all went south very quickly. Um, Literally. Yeah. Um, as you know, it's. I think it's a case of you know let's wait and see because as much as the article has been released and there's detail in there, um, I think as we all know there's a lot of detail that's not released. Maybe you know stuff that's a different side of the coin that actually is more of the case, and it's not criticism of the article. Um, I think a lot of uh, learning cares for both, you know, the owners of Milton Keynes, it's the first year um, as owners of, of MK, uh, I believe it's the first year, um, and, you know, the team itself, you know, the, the whole operations. Um, I, th- I think it's a case, you know, wait and see, see how it all pans out, and then where they can improve, develop, and, you know, just get stronger and better because you know with having Milton Keynes in the the league, it's good. I, I'm a, I'm a fan of them. Their fans are great. They bring a lot of noise and atmosphere. So anything they can do to help themselves, uh, when, you know, learning from the mistakes of, of this season, will be good in the long run. Yeah, I, I I love when their fans come to our rink. They bring, as you mentioned, a good atmosphere. Even when there's only like three or four of them, they're still making a lot of a lot of noise, which is great because I remember that from watching MK in the old EPL days. It doesn't look good read it when you read that article. It didn't really look good on the MK owners. But they always say there's two sides to every coin. So it's we'll have to wait and see, I guess. <laughs> There's not really much you can really say about it without knowing both stories. As you both said, you know, the, the fans at MK are very, very passionate. You know, you, they could bring one 
maybe even two fans up, up to an away game and you'd still know they're there just because the amount of noise that they're making so they're obviously very dedicated passionate fans uh, and most of the players are as well especially Tim Wallace um, it's, it's 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 very strange I think I mean when you think about the whole thing with Lannan with him literally going uh probably a few months after after taking up this player assistant coaching role alongside Tim Wallace. And then the whole allegations of the of, of Doug McCann not being paid, uh and obviously him being sacked and everything else, it it, it suddenly realised that maybe there is some truth in this in, into the wages because, you know, you, you won't just pack your bags and leave and not give much of a statement afterwards. No, they're keeping it pretty much in the dark. And maybe it's because of, of you know, these reasons. They don't want to reveal it, you know. So, yeah, there's there's, there's quite a lot of uh, strange things going on in MK right now. Uh, I hope there's nothing too serious and everything can be sorted soon. Uh, obviously, I, I love having, having, having them in the, in the league. They're, they're a good team. Uh, as, as said before, fans are great. The, the the rink is nice as well. We've both been sat me, me, Joe, and Dave, and think Gareth might have as well at some point. So it, it's a nice place, you know. Uh, and I would love to have them in the league still. Uh, so hopefully, wherever it is, it, it, it can be sorted. Yeah, obviously it's key to to highlight at this point. Obviously everything that you know. Everything that we're saying at the moment, obviously based on the article that's come out, um, and obviously we can only speculate at this point what's going on. You know, it's certainly strange. The one thing that we can say for certain is, you know, we certainly want MK to carry on as they are in the league. Uh, a great addition along with it, with Guildford, two fantastic additions for both of those teams to come into the elite league. Um, and we hope that obviously that can continue. I know that MK apparently have gone out already and said they're in a stable position. They're just not really investing in this season right now. Um, pretty smart, to be fair, looking at the points. You know, they're a good 15 points away from the next up in the league. So, you know, there's 15-point gap between 11th and 10th in the league right now. Um, seems pointless for them to pump money in this season. Seems better to put it in the back pocket for next season. So pretty logical there. So it looks like they're looking for the future as well. Uh, but obviously, we just hope that there's not too much going on because, as, as as you guys have already said, cracking fan base, let you know the day when they're in the building. And, it, you know, they've been a great addition. They really have. So we just hope that all that can get sorted. And obviously, the league can continue in a, in a stable position that it's in. Obviously, and Milton Keynes can be a part of that as well. Um, just mentioning the gap between 11th and 10th, I think, to be fair, the main gap that we should be discussing at the moment is the gap between 5th and 10th. Uh, there are currently five teams in the league. Um, the difference between them is f- between 49 points and 43. All right, there's some games in hand in there to take into account as well. But games in hand, are, are, you know, games in the games on the board are better than the games in hand. Um, you know, so for all we know, the, the teams with games in hand might lose those. So going on the board as it is right now, um, five from 49. Guildford just under them on 49. Sheffield just below them on 48. Then we've got Dundee on 46, Manchester on 45, and Coventry on 43. Main reason I'm highlighting this, gents, as you, as you all can probably guess by this point, the run for the playoffs is certainly heating up at the moment. It very much is, and, you know, it's it's about that. 
in particular in Sheffield, we're not used to. Um, but it's exciting. In a way that, you know, are we going to make the, the top eight? Is it going to be? Who is it going to be? We all predicted at the beginning of the season who are the three teams that were going to make it. None of us none of us even thought of Sheffield, but they're in the position now they have to fight for the spot. And it's now making the race, you know, I, I think a bit more exciting. You look at the, the gap, you know, five, like you said, 49 points with six games in hand on, on fourth place Nottingham. Um, but, you know, one of the things as a, as a of, of sports fan of cricket, runs on the board, always has that pressure. They've got the points. Fife need to get the points. Um, but you look at the form teams, you know, Sheffield in that grouping, one of the form teams, four wins in five. Um, it's anybody's game, you know. And, and the team goes on a three-game losing streak, they could go from fifth to tenth. You win three games on the track, you can go up to fifth or sixth. And you're bouncing around. Uh, I, it's great to watch. Um and, you know, the teams that, if they, if they think it's, it's going to be the, the longest game of poker, who, who can hold their nerve? Who can really, you know, keep it, keep it steady, get the points, and just get a run? Get a run, get in the final eight. It's, it's the team that does that that will be the safest. It sounds very simple, but I think you look at the results between all the teams involved in that grouping, and it just takes one to really have a, you know, six, seven, eight game win streak and they're there they've, they've clinched that playoff spot and who wants it yeah it's I'd say it's probably one of the probably one of like the most entertaining seasons for games itself but how the, the run up to the playoffs is but also for the facts there's also not one clear winner at the moment for the league as well that's the it's making it more exciting for both sides, both sets of the coin. So first and second, and then your fifth all the way down to tenth. It's gonna be, I'd say it's gonna be one hell of an ending to the season for at least some clubs. Even if, for example, Manchester don't make it, but um, we miss out by like a point. Yeah, that'll hurt, but at least I know. The teams won. The teams actually tried. At least you can't bottle it in playoffs, then. Exactly that. <laughs> in the words of Gary Barlow, I think it's absolutely fantastic. You know, you you compare this season to probably ten years ago. You know, you, you ten years ago, you probably know who was in what position. Like until the last two weeks even week of the season. But I love it when it comes down to literally the last game of the season to decide who's going where. I think it's really interesting. It makes just a, a fantastic experience for all the fans because you just never know where you're going to finish or who you're going to play in the playoffs. So to have that sort of, um, you know, that wonder about it, you know, thinking, oh, oh who are we going to play? Who are we going to play? It, it's all exciting. And I think, that's what this league should be about. It, it should it should be close, you know. It it should be pretty much the last day of competition to decide who's going to go where, and it, it just makes it more enjoyable. Not, not for the, not just for the fans, but for the players as well. Because obviously, obviously, they want to play, they want to, uh, they want to do the best they can, they want to finish up in the best position they possibly can. So, if there's not much of a gap, and it is coming down to the last last game of the season, there's going to be that that fight, that hunger in them to, you know, 
to put performances in every game to, to make sure that they finish as high as possible. So I, I agree with Graf. I think this season has been fantastic and probably, probably one of the closest seasons we've had in, in, in the Elite League so far. And one thing you mentioned there about how close it is, that's the one thing that a lot of fans have wanted. They want a close league. Um, I think the problem is you don't want it to involve your team in terms of being that close. Um, but, you know, we've, we've got that. This season has been close from all positions, um, like, like you said, Andy. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's great. And it's what the fans have wanted, and we're slowly getting that now. You've not got a team that are winning it by beginning of February. You know, it's going to be last game of the weekend, the last weekend. It's what people wanted, and we're now slowly starting to get that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the whole scenario is just fantastic. I mean, you look at the, you look at the next week's worth of games, and obviously we'll come back to predictions later on. But you look at the next week's worth of games, and there isn't a single game that you would look at and go, well, "That's going to be boring." I mean, you, you, Belfast clan clan currently sitting high in third position in the league. They're going to want to maintain their position in third in the league. And then Belfast obviously fighting for a title. Devils MK. Make no mistake, just because MK are at the bottom of the league doesn't mean they're just about to roll over. If anything, particularly with the recent press, Belfast, uh, sorry, MK are wanting to make a statement. They're going to want to take the points off the Devils. They're going to want to try and close that gap between 10th and 11th. Because right now, being 15 points behind the, the, next, the next team above, being the only team sub-40 points in the league and being sub-40 points by, set by, by 12 is certainly not where they want to be right now. So they'll fight for that, that, that game. Devils v MK. Devils obviously looking to win the league. Then you've got Manchester-Guildford, two teams fighting for playoff spots. Panthers-Sheffield, two teams fighting for either a maintaining a high position in the league or fighting for playoff spots. Five Blaze, two teams fighting for playoff spots. That's just Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday are the, the, only, the only days that we've got games over the next week. And every single game across those three days is a game that you, you don't you have no idea how it's going to go. So it's, it's, fresh, sorry. I was just going to say, it's, it's each game, like I said, but there's so many sub-stories within them, like you say. I mean, Nottingham, for example, they're, they're not guaranteed in the top four, and they'll want that for home advantage. <laughs> they go on the losing streak, and they could end up down to sixth. Yeah, every game, it, you, you've now kind of got playoff hockey now, unofficially. And that intensity, I mean... The, the the third period against Guildford, Sheffield Guildford, a while back, was that intense. You had that kind of feel of a playoff game. And I think we're going to have that now till the last weekend of March. Bring mm-hmm. it on, I say. Certainly, uh, certainly interesting. Um, moving from domestic hockey for the time being, from the domestic league, um, there's been some good news. I'm going to throw this over to Dave because we knew his excitement uh, regarding the, the, the CHL, uh, the Champions Hockey League. Belfast, everybody felt heartbroken for them when they lost that game against uh, Cockchateau. Um, thank you. You're getting the thumbs up from Dave for the pronunciation there. <laughs> you know you're doing well. Um, you know, heart, everybody was heartbroken across the league. And Dave, uh, there's been some good news for Belfast, hasn't there? They have indeed, Dave. Um, so just to kind of track back a little bit, uh, Cockchateau was the only team of the four in the Continental Cup final that if they won was not guaranteed a spot in the CHL because of the logistics of where they're based in Kazakhstan. So in the recent um, CHL final, the, the CHL board met and offered an invitation to the Belfast Giants to take that wildcard spot. 
And in my eyes, gladly, the Giants have accepted it, which means next season you have two British teams in the CHL. Now, you can be more specific than that, which means that Cardiff and Belfast are going to be in the CHL. You never know. But, yeah, Cardiff and Belfast will be in the CHL. Um, So... The, just to kind of track on the how it's going to pan out, if Belfast was to win the league, the runners-up will take the wildcard spot from the Conti Cup winner. Um, so that's how, it, before the before this, the Conti Cup final, they said the playoff winner was going to take that second spot. The CHL changed that um, in a meeting this week. It was confirmed by um, the same guy who does the media for the Elite League. He does it for the CHL and confirmed that it's been changed to the runners-up will take that second spot. So, like I said, it looks like it's going to be Belfast and Cardiff. Um, but me personally, I think it's great that the, the Elite League has the opportunity to have a second spot in this tournament. Uh, and, you know, instead of three teams to get to pronounce it, it's going to be, uh, you know, six teams. That uh, I know Joe likes uh, my attempts at pronouncing the Finnish teams and the uh, the Czech teams. As long as we get Taparas. Taparas. Um and, and wonderful teams like that. But, yeah, the draws in May... Um, and it's one of them, if you're a Giants fan, I know a lot of them were heartbroken, they want another crack at the Conti Cup. Give a season in the CHL. You'll still want that crack at the Conti Cup, but a season in the CHL, you'll want to go again. A lot of Cardiff fans, before their first season, were like, oh, well, we're not going to win, so why bother? Them same people, after, this, after they got knocked out, were like, wow, I want back in. I want this. So, you know, when that draw, you'll be like, I guarantee you, they'll be on Skyscanner, how do we get to this place, how do we get the flights here? It's, it'll have some excitement for the Giants fans, and early start for them as well, because the, the CHL normally starts uh, the last latter weekend of August, the, the first set of round of games, um, which I'm sure they'll all be on, on free sport. Um, Aaron Murphy and Paul Edim, no doubt, will be covering the, uh, the home games at least. So it, it's great news for the Giants, it's great news for the league, um, and it's, it's great news for British hockey again. And it's a great news for the bars during power breaks. I can't confirm that. Because um, you can't memory, remember. My, my memory of power breaks isn't very good for, for no reason at all. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Um, I, I just think it's great that we have more British involvement in this summer. And then you have a third team that will enter the Conti Cup. So three of, three of the 11 teams in this Elite League will be in Europe. You know, flying the flag uh, in, in, in these tournaments. I don't, I, I don't see where there can be a negative in that. I can't see a negative in that either. I mean, it'll be great for any any elite league fan to have the likes of Frolunda, who just won the CHL. ZSE, Zurich Lions, for me, that'd be even brilliant. I can travel to either Cardiff or Belfast. Uh, even Berlin, any of the German teams, for you guys, that'd be even greater. Or just Zurich. I'm good with Zurich. I could just Fine. picture Griffin as one of the ultras, can't you? Face paint. He does that like two tone face paint. The face I'm, paint walking down Cardiff Bay with the flares. I'm not going to be like the PSG ultras that were in Manchester the other day. God, no. Better be a ZSC Ultra than a, a Titchy Ultra anyway, so... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's just great for Elite League hockey, for British hockey as a whole. 
Yeah, the Giants have come a long way from uh, their statement of even if we do win the uh, Continental Cup, we won't be putting a team into CHL because we'd rather have, you know, another player like Patrick Dwyer. Uh, but, but we talked about it last time, you know, even the CHL brings the sort of players like Patrick Dwyer because it is a huge competition. Um, but again, yeah, it's, it's, it's great for the Giants. You know, the, the, the family woken up, the smell, the, the good, fresh scent of the CHL. Uh, so it's great for them to be handed that spot. Um, and it's like it's, it's like David said, just having two spots in the CHL is, is great because the way you look at the league, it's four countries, four different countries, but four amazing countries because they're completely different in really good ways. So having, you know, you, you've had Scotland and Brayhead in the CHL, you've had Sheffield Nottingham from England in the CHL, you've had Cardiff in the CHL from Wales, and now you've got Northern Ireland in the, in, the champ, in the Champions League. So having all three, you know, all, all four countries, all four countries in the UK in the CHL is brilliant for the league, you know, uh, and... Belfast and and the SSC Arena is probably one of the best experiences for a fan, and I think the CHL fans that make a journey over from from their city, from their country to Belfast, and they see that arena, see the, the facilities, you know, the amazing bar in Rockies, got restaurants around the arena, you got the hotel right next door, so everything is in sort of like a circle, and for a fun experience. And also the sort of, uh, you know, the landmarks in Belfast, the amazing things you can do there. You know, it's been Drink. fantastic for them. And I can tell you, every fan that goes there is going to say, you know what, Belfast is for the best country to probably host a CHL game. And Andy, I've got to ask a quick question. Have you just got a job with Tourism Island? I probably should now. <laughs> you really should. Give me that. Have you... But in fair, but in fair right. yeah, please, please don't get a job with Tui. Um, but yeah. on a serious point, you always say this, spot on. Um, and in fairness, if, if the weekends are great and you know we could pop over, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if, if everything's if everything's available, we'll start seeing any of the the MFZ crew over in Belfast uh, for no, a CHL game. Let's go to Munich instead, or <laughs> watch Red Bull. I second that. See, the two people that were rooting for Munich in the CHL want to go to Munich. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> I'll go to Frölunda, Gothenburg. It's fine. I won't mind that either, to be fair. Do you know Andy's little speech there about Tourism Island? I have to say, can you remember when Belfast used to do that video at the start of the game where they all yes. went, these are my colours? I can just imagine that, but just like Andy's speech about how amazing a city Belfast is just overdubbed over the top. Welcome and then Belfast. just like a few oh, players standing it. on the Giants' causeway with somebody going, these are my colours. Do you remember a few years ago where each team in the CHL had to do that promotional video about the city? I yes. know they had that for that injury, but the CHL did. Andy, you've got that working. But in fairness, what Andy said was spot on as well, if we're honest. It's, oh, yeah, no, no, I don't It's one, one of, it's one of the, the, the good cities and great fans are very uh, great hosts. Um, so they'll, they'll embrace CHL and I think the CHL will embrace Belfast. Yeah, the Scandi- they got the Scandinavian-style drinking prices though as well. This, this year that we went over £5 a pint, what's that all about? <laughs> Uh, but no, on a, on a serious note, it's, it's fantastic for the league. It's fantastic for Belfast. Very, very happy that they've decided to take up the spot as well. Um, slightly disappointed we've gone with runner-up in the league rather than playoff winner or or um, 
Challenge Cup winner. But I guess there's less scope then for if it isn't Belfast, what do you then do? You then start having to have some kind of contingency plan in place. At least with this, they can say if Belfast win the league, it's the runner-up. Done and dusted. It, it also, if you look at the the rules for the other nations, so the six host nations who have multiple spots, yeah, they do have. So obviously, we're the elite league's a unique case in that the league winner is obviously overall where's the rest of Europe. It's the playoffs. Playoffs. But they have yeah. the playoff regular season, regular season runner-up, and so on and so forth. So it's kind of just matching that kind of like, process. Yeah, following suit. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I understand why they've done it. I just think for a, for a, for variety's sake, it just the, the only reason I say it is literally just because you literally look at it and go, well, we know who's going to be in the CHL for us next year. There's nothing wrong with that. Cardiff have done a stellar job the last two years that were in the CHL. Nobody's disputing that in the slightest. You know, I certainly don't. I, I'm certainly not by any means suggesting that Cardiff aren't doing a great, a great job there, but. You know, it's just it just seems a little bit too signed, sealed, and delivered at this point. You know that it's going to be Belfast or Cardiff that win the league, and either way, you know it's going to be Belfast or Cardiff that finish second. It'd be amazing if Glasgow could could take it off one of them, but we know it's not it's not going to happen, is it? I, I know that sounds really bad to say, but it's not going to happen. I like the concept that we kind of all thought was it went to the playoff, the, the second spot went to the playoff winners, and Fife won the playoffs. You know, it'd be just wonderful to see someone like Frölunda or Zurich or Bern with a private jet flying over and rolling into Kakadi. I think that would just have been fantastic. Yeah, but can you imagine if it had been Cardiff like five years ago? Can you imagine Cardiff going to the CHL and having Frölunda come over to the big blue tent? Same, same like, principle. It, it would have been brilliant. Oh God, just, can you imagine now? We've got Cardiff going in for essentially going in for their third straight season. Where, as I say, we know it, it's going to be them that go in. They're going in for their third straight season now. If they'd have gone in two years prior, literally you would have had people like Frölunda coming over and playing in a rink with canvas for walls. Like that, that's just baffling. I, I tell you, one building that would have been great for the CHL, uh, and I'm not sure if any of you went to it, but the old WNIR. The original rink in Cardiff, that would have been fantastic for the CHL. Weren't as mod cons as the, as the arenas you see in the CHL this year, but by Christ, that an atmosphere that would have been. But, you know. It's certainly no Murrayfield, though. I think Murrayfield would have been the best. That would have been a good experience, yeah. But we know for, for, for certain Belfast are in there, and we're pretty confident Cardiff will have that other spot. And just yeah. think about this you get to play as Belfast on the NHL. It'll be a nice change. Good point, yes. <laughs> Oh, that means we could play the Jonathan Furland game when we play NHL. Yes, <laughs> yes, we're thinking. Um, right, moving on from the CHL then. I, I, do you know what? I, the thing I love about discussing the CHL is Dave's excitement level is like a Toronto Maple Leafs fan on the morning that they wake up and find out they've just signed John Tavares. <laughs> and all season ticket holders come with pyjamas. Um <laughs> I've said before, I like the competition. I think it's the best, one of the best things happened to hockey. You've done a good job of hiding it. You've done a good job of hiding it. I'll give I've you tried. That. I've tried. We're going to get you some CHL pajamas, mate. I'm get you I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take the cake as well. <laughs> We're going to get you some you some CHL pajamas, mate, just with tapara just written all over it. <laughs> get all the obscure teams that's been in the competition. I'll I'll take that. It's going to be your fancy dress for the playoffs. I'm game for that. Anyway, moving on from the CHL, uh, Dave, I'm going to move it back over to you. Uh, we've got some questions. We've we've got quite a lot of questions this week. We have, we're, already, yes. we're already running up to about an hour and forty on recording time, but we've got a few questions. 
So, so let's be short and sweet, if we can do. So, as we always do, we ask people to send them in, and um, thanks to the, the followers. So, Greg Hewis uh, from Cardiff. Two questions for him. First of all, um, we've kind of talked about DOPS a little bit, but Have is we? the current DOPS, apparently so, yeah. Is the current DOPS system sufficient for our league overall, and... Would it have a negative impact on player recruitment? Uh, yes and no, to be short. Um, yes, it's sufficient. I think on the whole, we've all kind of agreed that it, they've been quite consistent this year. Um, generally speaking, adequate in what they've been doing. I think it's been a bit of a farce in terms of the decision for the five Manchester game. But to be fair, the farce in the decisions has just matched the farce of the actual event in question. I think as a whole, yes, it's adequate. I can't see it having an effect on recruitment. To be fair, it, it's a job that nobody likes to have. And I'm pretty sure there are times when, I mean, I look at NHL DOPS have reversed the decision or, or reduced the decision. They made the big decision on Tom Wilson this year and then reduced it. You know, it happens in every league. It's a job that nobody wants to do. And it's a job that isn't going to please everyone. Um, but for me, yes, they are adequate. I think we could probably go back to having, uh, to be fair, we don't even know the structure. I think a bit, if anything, a bit more transparency about the, the structure would be good. Um, and, uh, you know, when, we, when he brought that, the, I know they had an, an, was it an ex-NHL official or something like that helping them out last year. You know, if they're still going with that kind of structure, I, I haven't got a complaint. They've been consistent. That's all you can really ask for. I'm going to say yes and no as well. It's... Matt, as what you mentioned, minus up to the five Manchester fiasco that's gone on, I, they have been consistent, and they've been, and they've given the reasons why, as well straight away. It's I don't think it'll stop player recruitment. I think the only thing that's going to stop player recruitment for certain teams is budget-wise, but that's probably about it. I'm with you both on this one. Uh, but yeah, it, it is no, it, it is a good setup, uh, barring obviously the five match game, which which is just like a Benny Hill sort of moment. Um, and I don't think it would, uh, you know, make an impact on player recruitment. And is not going to have a similar sort of dot set up as well. I'm thinking it's becoming more more common that sort of thing uh, for that world hockey. So. I, no, I, I don't think it'll make an impact on, on players. Um, I just think things will be just where they are, to be honest. Yeah, I must admit, I'm also the same. I, I think it's sufficient. I don't think it'll impact. And in fairness, when it first came in, it weren't it weren't as consistent in terms of the bands. You'd have had the impact then. So I, I, think, we're, I think we're fine what we've got. Everything you like in life, we could always improve it. And in fairness, I think Dops has been... On the whole, good this year. Moving in the um, right direction. Certainly moving in the right direction. Very much so. Um, so, uh, Greg, second question. Interesting one. About fixture planning. And obviously we've mentioned that there's a huge gap between all games in hand between Fife and Nottingham. And the question is, why can we not get a fixture list or set a programme, for want of a better phrase, to the point where all teams are around the same number of games, maybe give or take one or two fixtures? I'll just throw that around the table. Uh, I'll start it off. Obviously, particularly for like, obviously this season, we had Cardiff uh, with the CHL, meaning they have certain weekends or certain days where they can't fit in domestic competition. 
Um, Challenge Cup obviously also gets in the way because certain teams play Challenge Cup games at certain points. They don't all play them at the same weekend, um, just logistically. Particularly at the moment with 11 teams in the league, it's not logistically reasonable. Um, So obviously that means that you end up having teams with less games played at certain points. I I think, I guess the main thing comes down to arena availability, doesn't it? I mean, particularly for the likes of like Sheffield, Nottingham, you know, Belfast to that extent. You know, we've got to plan fixtures around events. Um, And, you know, it's just the way that it falls. Um, You get certain weekends that you can't have a game and, you know, you're not going to have every week playing the game on a Wednesday because you can't play on a Saturday or Sunday. Because realistically, as a team, you want to have those weekend dates because you're going to have a, a wider attendance. Um, it is difficult. I can see both sides of it, um, to be fair. And I guess the other side of things is as well, if you're then wanting to chuck in um, you know, double-header weekends, particularly, again, as I say, when you've got an 11-team league, Throwing in doubleheader weekends and stuff like that is difficult because it means that's two teams straight out of the weekend because they're playing two games and that's it. So then if you've got an 11 team wanting to make a, you know, wanting to to get get involved in those fixtures, gets a little bit more difficult. Um, though I think it's a bad thing, not necessarily. Um, it keeps interesting because to be fair, right now you look at the league table and. Just when you don't, th- just when you think it's not, you know, just about just about interesting enough, just enough to keep you on the edge of your seat. You've then got the likes of Manchester, Dundee, Sheffield, Guildford, and Fife. Fife obviously got some games in hand, so if they can get the wins, then they're going to bag themselves a higher position or a more secure position. But you've now got Manchester, Dundee, Sheffield, and Guildford with Coventry hot on the tail, with at least three or four games in hand. So it. it in a way, it, it helps to keep things interesting as well. You know, just as we say, games on the border, you know, points on the border better than points in hand and, and games in hand. But when you've got a team that realistically could put another six points on the board, having three games in hand, it, it, it makes you wonder. Yeah, it's you also missed out with the Brayhead Arena with Glasgow because they at some point yeah. can't use their eyes because they've got it. They've got like Disney on Ice or some already up there, like a few weeks. But when you bring into the fact CHL, Conti Cup, Challenge Cup, you can't expect it all the time to be same games played at this point. It's unfortunately it's I don't think it's as possible, especially for arena teams. Because arenas are already getting like their shows in so they're gonna have like like a gig during the week like you could have like a band like metallica or slipknot and then a few days later you'll have someone like drake but then gary, it's gary barlow for andy yeah well go with gary barlow or benadorm if you want <laughs> but yeah then you'll have oh yes then you'll have two fixtures at the weekend i mean you could have like a double header at the at the arena for you guys so that could be like with the double header for Belfast it's I don't think it's possible to an extent but I don't really think it's a bad thing because yeah keeps things interesting yeah both for there's a lot of variables to it you know no you 
mentioned he, he, he got a Champions League Continental Cup, Challenge Cup, and also re-inquiring availability, which is for sure pretty good things. I mean, in Sheffield, we were kind of well, we, we were pretty much lucky in the past when we had our, our Sheffield to use if there was no availability at the arena or, or the ensuite bathroom, as we affectionately call it. Um, but since Dom Stokes and SRV have taken, taken over the, the arena, you know, they've been fantastic to us. You now they've given us a lot more availability um, than in previous previous managers of, managers of the arena of the arena have. And uh, it's like when when our game against Cardiff was moved, uh, I think it's like a month or two later because of the Kell Brook fight. Kelbrook. Yeah, um, it all comes down to availability, and and, and obviously. The other teams just don't have the backup rink playing if there is events on or things like that. So there is obstacles which you know can't be helped. They're just as they are. But it's it's, it's the same around around Europe, around a lot of you know teams in other leagues. So it's just one of those things that players and teams learn to adapt to. And you know, I don't think it's made much impact because everything's still pretty close in the league. You know. Nothing's decided yet, so I don't think it makes a huge impact on on things. I think one thing that could be helped or be done to help this is is when you have your first set of Challenge Cup games. Whereas a few years ago it used to be where when it was years ago, it was the whole everyone was played each other home and away, and you doubled up your league game. So you so your league game. Points for the league, but also for your, for your Challenge Cup. Now, maybe what they then may should do to help that is have your first set of of fixtures, your Challenge Cup group, but they're also league fixtures. So by, by within three or four weeks, you've already played your group stage. And that may help, you know, instead of having, having these gaps. And there's many, many, you know, permutations, which you've all mentioned, but maybe that could be implemented to help, you know, reduce the uh, the number, the difference of, of games that each team's played and, and bring it more parity. I agree, you know, it's, it's been exciting and it adds to the, uh, the end of season sort of excitement, but if we can help ourselves at the beginning of the season, you won't have the problems towards the back end of it. Mm. Okay, so, so, so thanks for that question. Next one's from John O'Bullard. Thanks for listening. Um, very simple question, uh, which we've touched before, but we'll, we'll quickly go over it. He asked, what would, what would we see as the second tier of British Rockets? How would we like it to look? Just closer to the league than, uh, than the NIHL is, to be blunt. Um, I think the EPL was, was a fairly decent second league setup. Um, you could drop it. You could you could you could play a two-way system with players in the EPL and know that they were still playing to a relatively decent standard. Now, half the time in the NIHL, they're playing against rec hockey players or players that are still paying to play at least. Um, without going into logistics per se, um, it'd be great to be able to have as the as the NHL um, brand farm teams. Uh, for each team in the Elite League, it'd be great to be able to have teams that are affiliated to each Elite League side, um, maybe get some more play out of British goalies. But the key thing for me is just closer in ability, because right now in the NAHL, there's such a 
contrast in ability. As you say, you could be playing the Lions with players that are paying to play, and then all of a sudden you've got Brad Day that's playing the game for Hull Pirates because he's not needed at the Steelers. It's just... Or Kieran Brown, um, you know, who's on a two-way deal with Sutton. It's just... There's just too much contrast, and it means it's ridiculous because you get people in the Elite League now going... Well, why is Kieran Brown not playing for the Steelers? Why is he not getting the ice time? He's getting three points a game in the NAHL. And you go, yeah, that's because the bloke who he's playing against in goals just finished his shift at Argos, and now he's suddenly playing in goal for an NAHL team. All right, an exaggerated um, you know, example, but I, I just, there's just too much contrast. There's too much variation in ability in that league. I just don't think you get any benefit from having players playing down in the NAHL if they're then looking to move up to the Elite League. It, it kind of shows as well that it's a bit of a, too much of a gap when, for example, you've got Jason Hewitt, 27 games, 51 goals, 53 assists. It's like you, you'd never seen that kind of how many goals and assists he got in the Elite League. It's... You can definitely tell the teams you play against are not the best of teams, you could say, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah, you, I yeah. I mean, sorry, I mean the like the EPL back in the old days, it worked well, minus a few things that happened back then. We we'll get rid of those, and you're perfectly fine. You had a a good. A good system. Let me just put this into a contrast in numbers, just just for this, for the sake of it, because Gref, you've just you've just noted that Jason Hewitt played fifty three, uh, sorry, fifty one games. Was it no twenty seven no, games? Twenty seven games, fifty one goals. Jason Hewitt in the Elite League played six hundred and thirty six games, and only in those six hundred and thirty six games scored eighty eight goals. Wow. So he's currently 37 goals behind his total career amount of goals in the Elite League in one season in the NAHL. Yeah, um, I, I agree in terms of the just something that, that bridges the gap. Um, and as we mentioned before, the gap's far too big um, to to be beneficial for for all parties. Um, Sticking on the NIHL theme a little bit, one of the questions from Danny Hudson. Would the Challenge Cup benefit from having a few NIHL teams involved in the event? I don't really think it would really benefit too much. Depending on who you put in the the Challenge Cup itself, so if you put in the likes of the Nottingham Lions or Billingham Stars... If you're putting those type of teams in, it's not really going to be a good challenge, unfortunately, for for the elite league players anyway, because you're going to have players that are a lot higher standard. Maybe if you put in Hull, um, maybe Steel Dogs, you could have a little bit of a game, but I still don't think it would be as good of a game as when you'd see the likes of Cardiff against Nottingham or Storm against 
MKL for, for those those reasons. The the standard's too high. As as mentioned before, you now the the gap between both leagues is is just absolutely massive, and you know it's. It's also the fact that you know the elite league. I think maximum imports is 13 or 14. In the NIHL, it's a maximum of four or five. Uh, but if if I had a similar sort of import maximum maximum import sort of rule, maybe it could work. And I, I don't I'd love to see it happen. No doubt, I, I would love to see it happen. But right now, I don't think it will because it, it's just going to be a gold fest to one side. You no, know, the, the teams will be like a painter's radio by the end of it. So, you know, it, it, it's just too big of a gap uh, for now. Hopefully, in, in a few years, it'll be different. You know, uh, maybe ENL and IHL, maybe some rec teams could do something similar because the level is more more compact to what it is, to what the Elite League is. So, in that respect, quite possibly, yeah. But for, for now, it, the, the gap is just too too big. Yeah, I agree. You look at, I mean, just as an example, you've said Hull. Um, their top point scorer this year is Jason Hewitt. Um, 104 points in 27 games. Um, I mean, Jason Hewitt was, uh, I mean, right now, I mean, I know a lot of the time when Jason Hewitt was playing for Sheffield, he was a, he was a third liner because we were only running three lines. But, you know, Jason Hewitt in the Elite League, um, where we're playing four lines, would have been a solid fourth liner. He was a grinder. Um, you know, he was an agitator and he dropped the gloves when needed. It's no uh, no knock on his ability at all, but the type of player he was. Um, I, same kind of argument as before, just to use him as an example. Um, 636 games in the Elite League, 226 points. He got 0.36 points per game. And in the NHL, he's putting up 3.59. And that's one of the top players in the, in the NHL. So you, you put them against an Elite League team and it'd, just be, it'd be a whitewash. The only thing it'd do is possibly take the NHL fans down a peg that currently maybe watch their teams winning games and celebrate when they're winning games like against the Nottingham Lions like they've just won the Stanley Cup. That's the only thing that I don't get because there are teams that realistically at a point could have been a lower team in the in the Elite League that all of a sudden beat somebody like the Nottingham Lions or a team with half a, you know, a team half built on, on players that pay to play and they beat them and, and all of a sudden it, it's the world changes and the world beaters. It, it's, that's the only benefit that I could actually see is to knock them down the peg and say, look, this is, you, you're playing at a very, very low level in comparison to the top level in the country. But realistically, in terms of the benefit for the actual the, the Challenge Cup itself, I can't see there being a lot of benefit unless you start to stipulate that the NIHL teams had to have British goalies just to give those British goalies some experience against some imports or some higher level imports. Um, but attendance wise as well, crowd wise in terms of you know the attendances you're going to get to the games. You know, we've watched the games in the Elite League before when the Capitals were the whipping boys in the league, when the Capitals would just roll over for every game. Uh, you, you went into the game going, this is going to be boring. And I guarantee you that 90% of the season ticket holders wouldn't have bought a ticket for that game if it weren't for the fact that they were season ticket holders because they know it was going to be an easy win in a boring game. At one stage, this isn't all the time with the Caps. Um, but I just feel like it'd be the same. I just think people are going, I'm not going to bother buying a ticket to that Challenge Cup game because it's going to be a whitewash. 
No, I, I agree with you all. It's the gap, as we mentioned, is just far too big um, for it to be worthwhile and a benefit to either part, either party. So, but you know, sort of the romantics of you know Hull playing the Steelers again. There's a value there, but I think that's about it in terms of value um, for the overall sort of event, right? Um, a couple more questions. Uh, next one from Jay Dizzle. Thank you very much. Is his question? Is the way Dops worded their hearing? in relation to the five Manchester incident, are they trying to eradicate physical play from the game? Yes. Just without a doubt. I mean, uh, I know that's a blunt answer. I'm rambling while I try and get the article back up because I've closed it, forgetting that I wanted to talk about it. Um, but to be blunt, yes, they are. Um, I know we've briefly touched on this already. Some of the things that they've said... Um, the incident has nothing to do with the spirit of hockey, fair play, or the EIHL goal of speed and skill. It was a fight at the end of a game. It's a hockey game. Everybody expects it to be fights and hits in a hockey game. And all of a sudden, just, you know, that, that isn't just aimed at the fact that it's after the buzzer. That, to me, is aimed at the fact that they're aiming for speed and skill. They want to they wanna just eradicate the hits and the fights. Um, and then later on in there, they said there are no previous case studies or examples that DOPS department can use. Therefore, this incident will be dealt with in a move forward perspective, which is what the IHL has been working towards this entire season. That For, for me, if you're looking uh, a player getting a six match ban for a fight, a player getting a five match ban for a glove punch and a player getting a three match ban for a fight. If you're looking at that as any other way other than. This is the move forward that they're looking at, and that move forward is to eradicate the fighting. Then I don't know what you're looking at because that—that's the only thing that that—that's the only picture that that paints. I think Jar's pretty much just said what we're all thinking. It does seem like it's trying to get rid of the fighting, or even the big hits. It's how the the game's trying to go in the NHL, but what? They literally need to understand is we're not the NHL. Compared to the NHL, we're like a bear league. Literally. Yeah, uh, totally agree there. I, I, I think I think they are trying to get rid of it, and it is you know quite sad to see. I'm sure we've all grown up again with the sort of nineties nostalgia of you know what we expect from a hockey game, but but I think it's it's not just the league, it's hockey in general. It's it's just getting a bit too a bit too soft, I think. Um you know, we we all enjoy games, we're, we 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 all knew what, what sort of things we, we expected from it and things like that, but that's slowly disappearing. They they're trying to take part of the part of the passion, part of the excitement away from the game, from how it's always been played since you know, since the early era, since the seventeen, eighteen hundreds it started so you know it, it is sad to see and again you know as, as Graf said we're not, we're not the NHL you know we've not really got you know the sort of speed that there is in there um, or, or skill sort of thing but we, we all want excitement for hockey games we we, we go since the, since the earliest years because we love what we saw and yeah for me it's, it's just getting a little bit too soft I'll just repeat what I mentioned in terms of having the fine balance is you can have speed and skill and you can have the physical game and you can have them hand in hand. It is possible. You watch leagues 
in Europe, even leagues comparable to the league, it's possible. If I'm honest, with the word in, they've not found the balance. And I think that may be this summer's one of the big challenges for the league, is just to find the balance of where they want the, the spot in this country to go. That you know keeps the majority of the fan base engaged. Um, because I think this, when, when, you're, when you're having wording like that, it's it's against what the vast majority of hockey fans um, believe in, and what what is the enjoyment. Now, yes, there's there's a lot of stuff, uh, in particular the fighting, obviously, you know, head injury and head trauma and all that. But you still there's, there's, there's the balance is where I just don't think I think they maybe gone one over the you know too far one side. So I hope the re- I hope in time and sharpish that they realise that they can you know have these great factors of the sport all at the same time and not try and get rid of one of them because you know, it, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's not a nasty thing to have. It's, it, it's part of the game. It's part of the game's culture. You, it, you can't change it overnight. I, I have a feeling they're trying to do that and I think that's the wrong thing to do. So, last question um, from Chris Lovell. Thank you very much. Um, should, the, he's asked, should the Elite League board have more authority step in to resolve things like the MK issue, so whereas it may have a negative impact on the league and its image. As far as I can see, the league, the only real thing that the league could do is to say if you don't let, so let's go with the scenario of um, coach alleging that he's not being paid. The only thing that the league can say is if you don't pay what's owed, then you're out of the league. As a whole, the league doesn't want to promote that because we don't want to see a team drop out of the league. The other problem is it's an evidential issue as well. Um, you know, the league can't just jump to a conclusion and say this coach is turning around and saying he's owed money because if the league turned around then and say, well, you've got to pay what you owe, then the team would be quite within the right to say, well, why are you jumping on the back of the coach and, you know, straight away believing them? We've got to, as, as we've said before with the scenario with MK, there's two sides to every coin. And the problem is that the league have got to walk the line on, you know, being fair, maintaining the image of the league, maintaining the stability of the league without pointing a finger. They, they've got to know, you know, evidentially and factually, they've got to know what the scenario is before they can even step in. But I don't see a great deal of options in front of them other than turning around to the team involved and saying, we've got to pay it. Which realistically, if McKay's taking legal action to get it sorted, is essentially going to be the end result anyway. I don't really think there's much else that the league can do. They can just go, I right, show us the proof for, from both sides. They got, they've got the actual evidence to prove what one person's saying. Without that, they can't really go off anything, especially considering it's one of their teams in their league. Going off someone's hearsay, if they've not got any evidence in regards to that, which I'm pretty sure there probably is some evidence somewhere. But I think it's more it's going to be not really going to be shown to the public because obviously they're not going to want to do that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, there's not really anything that Lee can do, you know, it's it's one of those situations where it has to be sorted out between MK and, and Doug McKay, you know, there's, unless there's actual proof of what's going on or 
uh, or anything like that. There's, there's absolutely nothing they can do. Is is Joe Seven's there's always two sides to to a story, and if there's no proof about it or anything anything like that, there's, there's nothing they can do. And I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't want MK to drop out of the league because it'd be bad, bad for league reputation. And you know they're a good team overall at MK, and you know the the the, the work well to get where they are. Not a great season, but you know they deserve to be in the league, and and they should stay in the league, and and we'll want them to be in the league. But getting in this sort of thing, there's, there's nothing they can do. It, it's within the club to sort out, uh, and we can't really step in 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 this sort of scenario. It's what the it's what the legal side of things is there for as well. It's what the legal system's there for. If they've got a dispute of that nature, if they if they're saying, "Oh, we've got a contract signed," and "Oh, you owe me this much money," you know, the the, the courts are going to be able to do a lot more than the league because, as I say, it's very clean cut with the league of we've either got to say, you know, you're out of the league or you pay the money. And and as we say, that it's not a great deal more they can say. What kind of what other kind of, um, you know. What other kind of impediment are they going to impose on a team that owes somebody money or a team in that situation? This just to announce them and say, you know, well, you've got to pay, or you've got to sort this out, otherwise we're going to fine you. Well, what's that going to help when they're already telling them that they're owing people money? I just, I just can't see a great deal of other sanctions that they can impose other than that threat of, if you don't do this, you know, we're going to, we're going, to, you, you can't be in the league. And realistically, in an 11-team league, they're trying to progress to improve their stability and add more teams to the league. The last thing they want to be doing is turning around to a team and saying, we're going to have to get rid of you. Yeah, I think, for me, the league can only really get in when it becomes a non-internal thing. Because at the moment, it's an issue between the two parties. And once it becomes that, then the league steps in. But I think at the moment in time, they're just going to have to watch, see what's happening, make sure everything's been done by the books. Um and stepping when appropriate. Um, and in fairness, I think membership of the league will allow them to um, anyway. But then you also have the legal redresses, which is another argument for another day. But I suppose in the terms of the board being able to step in, I think it's more of a, the right time, the right occasion. I just don't think that right time's happened yet. And I don't think it's anywhere near. Um, so thanks, gents, for the answer to the questions. And thank you for sending the questions in. Um, plenty of questions this week. Uh, probably the most we've had for some time. So... Uh, Keep them coming in for future future programs. Yeah, exactly. If you do want to keep sending us in your questions, uh, go to Twitter. It's at MSZ Podcast on Facebook. It's My Fantasy Zamboni Podcast. Do keep them coming in. Keep the feedback coming in as well. We've had a, a few people coming back to us and saying that the the, the sound quality of last week's episode uh, was a big improvement, which is why we've, we're back on Skype again this time round. So we really do uh, value the you know the feedback that we get from people. We do really do look to implement it and obviously change things if if things are said that need changing. Uh, and obviously we look to try and keep things that people are saying they're liking as well. So do keep the feedback coming in. Do keep the questions coming in because it helps us span out from things that just the four of us can think of. Um, but for the time being, gents, we are on to the last item of the agenda. I haven't forgot this week again, so we're two on the trot. Um, it is the predictions. I'm going to whiz through these. I'm, I'm conscious that we're over the two-hour mark now. Um, so I'm just going to whiz through these. Same as usual, we'll go Andy, Gref, Dave, and then me. Um, last week's predictions were, on the whole, pretty good. We were all over 50%. Uh, 14 games predicted on last week. Dave, Greff, and myself were all on eight. Andy stormed it last week with 10. 
Um, this week, obviously, Saturday, we'll start it off. We've got Belfast versus the clan. Belfast. 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 Uh, and I'll go Belfast as well, so it's full house on that. Devils, MK. Devils. 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 Full house for Devils again on that. Uh, Manchester, Guildford. In Manchester. 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 Sorry, Graf. Guildford. And I agree with you, Dave. Guildford. So we'll go 50-50 on that one. Panthers, Sheffield in Nottingham. Ooh. Uh, Sheffield Panthers Sheffield This is shaping up like last week where <laughs> Gref and uh, me said Panthers and uh, Dave and Andy said Sheffield and uh, Gref we fell out well short on that one but I don't think we will do this time we'll say Panthers as well um, Panther Joe obviously got to keep up with reputations even if you don't like hey. them um, final one on Saturday is Fife v Blaze, another playoff contender, um, another playoff fight there. Uh, it's Inca Cody. Five. 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 I want to say Coventry. I'll be the odd one out on that one. Um, Sunday we have Clan v Giants again, this time in, in Glasgow. Giants. Giants. I'm going to say Clan. Fair play. I'll say Belfast as well, so I'll say Giants. Uh, Stars v Fife in Dundee. Fife. Dundee. Fife. I'll say Fife as well. Uh, Blaze versus Sheffield in Coventry. Sheffield. 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 Full house for Sheffield on that one. Uh, MK Cardiff in MK. Cardiff. 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 Full house again for Cardiff. And then Guildford, Manchester in Guildford. 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 Full house again, Guildford. Uh, Wednesday, last day uh, for the game, we've got Guildford, MK in Guildford. 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 Uh, Manchester Dundee in Manchester. 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 Oh, I'll go Manchester. Again, Manchester for me as well. Nottingham Coventry in Nottingham. 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 Nottingham again, full house. Let's see if we can get a full house for Wednesday. We've got Sheffield v. Clan in Sheffield. 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 We're at a full house for Wednesday, so I'm going to say Sheffield as well. Um, so that brings us to a close of episode 23. So thank you to everybody for listening once again. We apologise that we've uh, gone on a little bit longer than usual today. Um, I think that it's a special Valentine's bumper, lovable length episode. Fair play. Yeah, we've got a Valentine's Day special for you in a two-hour um plus um so yeah thank you to everybody listening once again it's at mfz podcast on twitter um my fancy zamboni podcast on facebook uh for now thank you very much andy thank you very much joe thanks everyone no problem thank you very much Greg. 
Thanks, Joe. Thanks, everyone, for listening. No problem. Dave, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Gareth, Andy, and to everyone who's listened. Yeah, and thank you very much for having me as well for another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. Thanks a lot.